During the riots last year, there was a man. It's a brutal story. I got. I got to be honest. There was a man who was uh, tending to his bar. There's a, a group of people who are smashing windows. This guy goes out. His name was Jake Gardner. They attack his dad, and then he tells him to back off. He shows him that he's got a gun. One guy attacks him, gets him on the ground, is choking him. This dude fires in self-defense. Initially, the uh, prosecution said, the prosecutors, the the county said that it was uh, self-defense. But then the protesters came out, and there were threats of riots. And this, I think it's interesting. This, this, This is very much a precursor to what we saw with Chauvin, and we need to pay attention to this stuff. Because of the protesters and because of the threats of riots and the fear of violence and damage, they decided to actually criminally charge this guy who was on the ground being choked, who was defending himself, who had warned this group, this group who was rioting. The guy ended up taking his own life. And now we have an exclusive story from Tim Cast. He is filing, uh, his family, sorry, is filing a wrongful death suit arguing that uh, the, the defendants in the case conspired to deprive him of his rights. We need to pay attention to things like that because what ended up what ended up happening with Chauvin. One of the jurors came out and said, I feared retaliation. They'd come to my house. These jurors were being escorted in the building with armed police because of the riots and the violence. Not too far from the court, one of the jurors actually lived where riots were currently occurring. Now, there's real concern over what might end up happening with the uh, with the trial of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. So we're going to get into this. We'll, we'll talk a lot about what's going on with that. We've got a protest that happened outside of the White House because you got a lot of people who want the want the U.S. government to intervene to help Cuba. Plus, we've got uh, Joe Biden just losing his absolute mind, and uh, we're going to get into it. So uh, joining us today is one of the foremost experts on the protests and the riots over the past you know year or so is Richard McGinnis. Foremost. I like that word. <laughs> I mean, bro. I don't know about You're, expert, but foremost I like. Foremost expert. You were at almost every single major. <laughs> I was at the front. I was foremost. I don't know about Foremost. Yeah. yeah, you were literally just in the front. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea what's going on the whole time, but you're just standing there like, I just well, have I'm, a camera, I'm in the front. Wide angle. No, no, no. But let's, let's, be, let's be real. I mean, every time there's a big major breaking story around these riots or what's happening, you were there. And then we'd have you come on and you talk about what happened. And so, yeah, man, foremost expert. Actually, uh, my coworker, shout out to Vince Colonies. Um, and I'll just do a quick plug for Vince and Jason Save the Nation, our new show on Daily Color. Anyways, um, he said that I Forrest Gumped the year, and I thought, I thought that was kind of funny because Forrest Gump kind of just like happened to be at all these events, you know? He yeah. just like, kind of stumbled through it, <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt, which is just like we were just kind of going on hunches the whole time. I've, I've got to do it. We don't, we don't normally do this, but someone just super chatted us right now, and it's big, and it's – um, what is it? Legima Thigion or whatever but they said Jaffa Cree Ian Cree and shout out for the Stargate reference because I've been watching (laughs) mad Stargate lately and uh, you know so anyway welcome Richie we got Ian he's chilling what's up everybody Ian Jaffa Cree Jaffa Cree (laughs) did it change you I don't speak Stargate going through this last year you don't speak Stargate Mm -mm. you want to learn not yet (laughs) I just started watching it Um, recently they do like three episodes a day on Comet that show's amazing Stargate's a good show yeah incredible theme yeah. Um, did it change you going through seeing all these riots this last year? Yeah, I, I think it changed my perspective. I mean, I don't think it changed me myself, you know, like who I am. But I think certainly the way that I view um, not only, you know, the United States, but also just the way our media functions definitely changed my perspectives. I'll, uh, I'll ask you more about it after the intro. For sure. Thanks, Richie. I'm, I'm also here, here in the corner. Sorry to cut you off there, Ian. I'm very <laughs> excited. I always enjoy when Richie has something to add because he always sees the most interesting things in the world. So I'm stoked to hear what he's got to say tonight. 
Before we get started, my friends, go to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to our exclusive members-only segments, which we will have one up tonight. We do those Monday through Thursday, and we're also getting ready to launch a new show in which you will get access to another members-only show. That one's only going to be about once a week, though, but we're going to keep adding more and more. Plus, we've got a ton of amazing journalists who are joining the team and doing uh, excellent work. We're going to be hiring a fact-checker soon. I know, I know, we really should have a fact-checker fact checker immediately, but we're hiring literally as fast as we can. And uh, with your support as members, we're going to do more of that stuff, more culture stuff. We just brought on our composer. So uh, shout-out to Carter, who is joining and going to help produce music for the crew and for the shows and everything we do. And uh, yeah, become a member. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really like it. Give us all those really good reviews if you think we're worthy of it. And uh, did I say smash that like button? Because I'll say it twice. Let's get into that first story. We have an exclusive for TimCast.com from Cassandra Fairbanks. Family of Jake Gardner files wrongful death lawsuit against county special prosecutor and attorney general's office. I just want to read the opening of this because it's a very serious and very important story. Cassandra writes, the parents of a Nebraska bar owner that committed suicide after a fatal altercation with violent rioters have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the county, the attorney general, two unnamed detectives, and the special prosecutor in the case. Gardner, 38, shot and killed a rioter who was attacking him, his elderly father, and his business during last summer's Black Lives Matter riots. Prior to his suicide, he was indicted by a grand jury on counts of manslaughter, use of a firearm in the commission of a felony, attempted first-degree assault, and making terroristic threats. But only after intense political pressure was placed on the city. The lawsuit accuses the plaintiffs of conspiring to deprive Gardner of his right to a fair trial and due process, deprivation of Sixth Amendment rights, deprivation of Fourteenth Amendment rights, a Brady rule violation, wrongful death, and failing to prevent the deprivation of his rights. Gardner was a Marine and veteran of deployments to Iraq and Haiti. He described himself as a libertarian, but voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and volunteered for his campaign in three states. The district attorney had originally ruled that the shooting was self-defense. On May 30th, Gardner confronted a group of rioters outside one of the bars he owned in Omaha called The Hive. One of them had just violently attacked his 70-year-old father, which was captured on surveillance footage. During the chaos, Gardner was knocked to the ground. The veteran fired a warning shot and attempted to back away. The situation took a tragic turn after 22-year-old rioter James Scurlock jumped on his back and began choking him. The veteran could be heard pleading with his assailant saying, get off me, get off me, please get off me. According to the lawsuit, the choking lasted at least 18 seconds before Gardner fatally shot Scurlock. Scurlock had repeatedly broken windows at Gardner's bar and other businesses in the area earlier that evening. Still, the fatal shooting sparked even more rioting in the city, which escalated after Donald Klein, the Douglas County attorney, determined that Gardner had acted in self-defense and declined to bring charges. In what appeared to be a political move to quell the riots, Douglas County District Attorney Shelley Stratman appointed Special Prosecutor Frederick D. Franklin to handle the case, though the court said that they expected the same outcome. Franklin is president of the Midlands Bar Association, an organization for black-only attorneys. The lawsuit notes the special prosecutor had heavily implied Gardner was a racist when he announced the charges at the height of the racial tension in the nation by saying the decision was not made because he, quote, may or may not have been a racist because being racist is not against the law. Yikes, man. There were no hints of racism in the Gardner messages, in, the, in, in Gardner's message or uh, messages or reasons for Franklin to imply that he was, that there was. The special, special prosecutor inflamed people so much that Gardner received more than 1,600 death threats that week. His family was also forced to move out of the state for fear of their own safety. Now, the story goes on a bit more. There's, there's uh, statements from the, the lawyer involved. But I want to point out something really important as we move through the next you know, bit of stories. 
This guy got 1,600 death threats. I'm fairly convinced none of those people will face any kind of repercussion for those death threats. But you know for a fact, if the person was in any way anti-establishment, right wing or populist, then that would have been all over the news as the extremists are coming, et cetera, et cetera. I got to say, this story is nightmarish. It's coming back up because, you know, of this lawsuit. But here's a guy who begs, you know, get off me. He had already warned him several times. Those warnings, terroristic threats, so saith the state, the prosecutor. Telling someone like, back away, you know, I'm armed. That's making threats. That's terroristic threats. Things look, uh, I don't know, they look fairly dark, I suppose. Now, to be fair, this happened, you know, last year. And, and, and the lawsuit is, is bringing this back up. So I don't want to act like we're seeing more of this kind of thing. Specifically, we haven't had the level of riots we had during the George Floyd riots. But you take a look at the Chauvin case, which wasn't that long ago. And you get riots and, you know, the jurors are scared of retaliation. I think more than one juror said that they were scared, right? Do you, do you guys remember? I know there was one alternate. I heard that. And there may have, I think there's another guy who said yeah, like, yeah, we, we, yeah, there were two of them. Yeah. And now we have the, the, the Rittenhouse trial coming up. I, I am not convinced Rittenhouse will get a fair trial. And a, a lot of people have said that they, they think he will. And I'm like, why would, why would anybody go up against this machine where you can send, you, these people can send all these death threats and nothing bad happens to them? That they can go around, these people are literally destroying buildings and attacking people and they're called the victims. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a kind of an example of uh, how, like, law law is one thing, but you got to kind of put the law aside when you're looking at what's going on right now around the world. Violence is the last resort, absolute last, last de- desperation resort. You do not do it because if you do it, court of public opinion goes after you. You see 1,600 people issued this guy death threats. 1,600 people. They were going to go. Well, he received 1,600 death threats. Maybe some yeah, of them As far dollars. as he was concerned, his life was over, so he took his own life. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was without the legal system. I mean, obviously, the legal system was busting this guy's balls, too. But I mean, I, th- I think the common thread here is that it's the politicization of our reality. And in violent instances is where it's the most maybe pronounced. But, like, I mean, just look at, obviously, all the, all the COVID stuff. Yeah, sorry if I'm quiet there, folks. I'll get a little closer here. Um, with all the COVID stuff, I mean, there's, you know, it's, or if you want to talk about the quote unquote lab leak hypothesis, um, that was politicized because, you know, Trump went one way and everybody right. else went the other. Mm-hmm. And well, so there, there was, there was that one doctor who said it that mm-hmm. we initially dismissed this because it was Trump who said it. Am I allowed to say COVID on YouTube? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. but be careful because sure. okay. <laughs> if you say, if you add the 19 afterwards, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> they got weird rules. The, the so rules weird. are absolutely weird. Yeah. yeah weird, to, I, weird, I'm weird. aware of them. For sure. I mean, Dude, yeah. The weird thing is, like, if Biden farted in public and someone recorded it on their iPhone, that would become political because of why? Social media? And so, if, like, Biden, if Biden voided his bowels because of his old age, they would claim that it's completely normal. Uh, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a normal thing. Don't worry about it. You would get Do you see the, tens of thousands of views on Twitter, comments, retweets. Well, I, I got to be honest. They'd probably get banned. They'd say, yeah. it's, fa- it's fake. It's manipulated. It's manipulated. He didn't actually avoid his bowels. He just took a dump. I'm wondering if we need to change the way our courts work. Like, cause, cause no, how no, can no, you get no. a fair Listen, trial on this day and age? I, I, I gotta stress this point, man. I think the law is absolutely, uh, well, I shouldn't say absolutely, but I'm, I'm, cause I'm exaggerating, but I think the law is very much so meaningless in a certain, in a certain sense. Obviously, we follow the laws. We recognize what laws, you know, uh, you know, what the laws are to the best of our abilities. There's a lot of laws people don't know about. I was watching this video on, uh, on never talking to cops and the guy points out it's a crime to accept like sea, sea, uh, uh, creatures, like seafood or creatures or whatever from someone if they obtained it. Uh, it's like 
if it's illegal in another country to obtain it and they trade it to you, you committed a crime in the U.S. What? Like there are laws that are really, really weird, right? The problem is, though, we can follow the laws to the best of our abilities. We can live peacefully. We say, you know, violence is wrong. The, the, the issue, though, is it's cultural. If the law is don't do X, but no one's willing to prosecute it, the law may as well mm-hmm. not exist. Right. So if the, the law may as well, right, be, the, the law may as well right now be do not, you know, vandalism. Destruction of private property is a crime, a felony punishable by up to a year in jail, or it's a misdemeanor, a class A misdemeanor, punishable about by up to a year in jail if you're right wing. That's what it should say. Or it should say, you know, uh, an exemption is included for anyone who, who toes the establishment it's line. Like the age old situation is if you have the mob, the crowd, the populace on your side, the court's going to side with you. They're going to get you off or they're going to prosecute who you want to prosecute. And if you know the, the, the judge, they're going to get you off. Sort of. I think that, I think that's how it kind of used to be. Yeah. But knowing the judge was connections and access to resources. There's something that there, there's, there's two motivating factors here. One would be greed where the judge is like, Oh, that's, you know, so-and-so's kid. You know, if I, if I could do him a favor, the other is fear. Oh, if I don't prosecute this guy, they're going to show up and burn my house yeah. down. Whatever they say. So now we have two, a two tier justice system. It's, it, you can call it anarcho tyranny or you can call it something worse. You've got ideological courts where mm-hmm. they'll be like, well, they're protesting, arrest the guy, give him all the charges in the book. He's going to prison. And then when the death threats come in, we don't care. No one's protesting that. So long as regular people, the politically homeless, conservatives, whatever, don't protest, they've lost, they've, they've lost their, their, their chance, in my opinion, to be, to be completely honest, too. There was maybe a period five, six years ago where the right could have gone out and done big, mass, peaceful protests. Now you get a handful of guys to walk out with American flags and they'll scream the far right's coming, the far right's coming. The media will claim you're a white supremacist or a Nazi and they'll shut it down in two seconds. What do you, how do you fix it? Do you get the jurors all over the world to port in on like video chat and listen to the trial and then vote anonymously? Well, I mean, I think it's the real problem here is that our court system, everybody's so accessible now. So like everybody's a public figure in some way, hmm. you know, so if you're if you're a juror or if you get doxxed, you know, basically people can access you and, and it's not fun getting death threats. I mean, 1500 of them is that's a lot of death 1600. threats. 1600. And I mean, I've, I've gotten maybe, I don't know, a hundred, uh, something like that. But like, none of those, none of those get taken seriously. They don't go after any of those people. If they it makes you be- feel unsafe for sure. Just, you know, tangentially, like, you know, there's a digital world and there's a real world, but you mm-hmm. think about the crossover and like, you know, I guess, the, I guess the problem is if they started prosecuting the stuff immediately, it maybe never would have gotten this far in the first place. Like they, they are letting, it get worse and worse until I think there's going to be a, a snap. Mm-hmm. Like when regular people don't feel safe anymore and they just lose their mind. You know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like enduring some kind of torture where every day you, you're, you're inundated with these stories about violence against regular people, about how the, the, the justice system is against you. And then you just, you don't feel safe. Right? So there was this, um, this report a while ago. It was talking about the Arab spring. And I, I might be getting this wrong, but I believe that they basically said like, there's, there's a, uh, uh Three things that people need, and it's food, shelter, and security. They need to know the security is their is their knowledge that they can exist, they can survive, they'll be able to you know live. They need a place to live, and they need to eat food. And if you take one of those things away in large enough numbers, you'll mm-hmm. get a revolution. So security is extremely important. The idea that people feel safe and secure and can trust that they won't be gulagged, I, I suppose. <laughs> But that's going away. 
it's it, it's going away when you get when you get to stories like this and you get everything we've seen now. I think the Rittenhouse thing is going to be really serious because uh, I, I you know you know you don't got to say anything. I'll say it. I'll actually I'll I'll quote Destiny. You know, Destiny was is a leftist. We had him on the show, and he said it was the clearest case, clearest cut case of self defense he had ever seen. Kyle Rittenhouse and what happened. Now, I, mean, if, I obviously can't say anything on that because, right? But playing the role of witness makes you acutely aware. I mean, because you you that's a role. Your role is to say what you saw and not inject you know any opinion on that, and just like based on the media coverage that happened after Kenosha. I was I was viewed one way or another by this group or that. And by the way, I'm no friend of either side because I'm also a victim in that case. Well, so let's, let's let's talk, let's, let's talk about January 6th. You can talk. Yeah. Can, <laughs> so so we can't talk about. Uh, can, we can say why you can't talk about Rittenhouse, right? I'm yeah. I mean, it's a pending case, and, uh, and I'm, you're a witness. I'm, I'm a witness, right? So we can get to the point of this by talking about something else. January 6th, where the New York Times uh, they called you a, a rioter. They did in print. They printed it. <laughs> oh wait, there was a correction that was like a number of pages That's later. But on the, you open up the New York Times magazine, and I can just imagine frame it. My friends' parents at home just. I'm gonna. Oh, it's a nice Sunday. Open. Oh. Richie. Oh. oh my god. I mean, actually, you know I what? I'll take a death threat over. I got called. Uh, Yashara Lee posted a thread That's of right. photos of what that guy, and I'm not going to name the photographer. Mm. You know who you are. You know what you saw. And you saw me looking for my phone and that caption still went in there calling me a rioter who punched a door Hmm. and they issued two corrections and this is still outstanding. New York times, you should still be scared because what happened there was I, because um, of the way that I looked and because I'd just been pepper sprayed and because I had like, you know, wet hair and I was, I looked desperate and I was, they labeled me as something. And two minutes. that image, mm-hmm. that yeah. image. And, and I got called a meth head like 200 times. Oof. And um, I don't you, you, you have press credentials. Yeah. You, they you got were, snatched you, from me that day. You're actually. officially reporting mm-hmm. and your phone falls. I have congressional press credentials. Right, yeah, actually. Congressional. So, like, I can go in there on any given day. With and those credentials. your phone falls and it's behind the door. Well, I thought it was behind the door. So I was tapping on the window to ask the police. It turned out the guy. And that's the that's the most objectionable part of this whole situation is that. There was another woman who was photographed two minutes later, and it's actually time-coded in the piece as two minutes later from my photo. And she's got a MAGA hat on, and she's crying, and it says, a woman was pepper sprayed. They called me a rioter because I'm, oh, knuckle-dragon, Trump's a voter. I look like that. <laughs> uh-huh. And by the way, n- didn't vote for Trump, um, but I looked to be that way. They didn't, they didn't do any research. And by the way, they relied on my reporting after what happened in Kenosha. Well, let's, so they should have known who right, I, you right. know? Let's, let's say they didn't they, – you don't look like a Trump supporter – you look like a young white man. Which I look they like could, a Neanderthal. They could frame it uh-huh. like yeah. you were some, you know, mm-hmm. that's the narrative. That and I look angry for. and there's a broken window. And even though I was tapping on it with one finger saying, please, officers, can you look for my phone at your feet? And they were all obliging, by the way. And they were looking down and they were, I was like, yeah, right there. Is it, is it down there? Tapping. Oh, I punched the door. Oh. So this, this photojournalist, mm-hmm. they're the one who lied. I don't know. I don't know what the editorial process was. I don't know. Who it was that wrote the caption? Because in some news outlets, you know, sometimes the editors write the captions. They edit the captions. But there's a way to find out. There is a way to find out. And I can go that route. I just have to uh, wait for my Dogecoin to go a little higher. (laughs) And it's bumping right now. So So there's there's one of two scenarios here. This is really important to to the conversation. 
either the photojournalist on scene who saw what happened lied because he wanted that juicy photo. Look what I got. Oh, I got that guy at the window, even though they knew that's not what happened. He lied or maybe he didn't. Maybe the editor said, hey, looks like a writer. I'll write that down and did not fact check. Yeah. If But here's the thing is I don't know when the photographer found out what that caption was. But my point is, is that he was there two minutes later when that woman was photographed and I was gone from that space. And here's what happened. Right after I tapped on the window, every cop was looking down. There were like 10 cops on the other side of that door. And I looked so desperate that they actually obliged. And then this guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, yo, man, it got kicked back here. I hugged him. I said, thank you so much to, to all the cops. I went down the line and then I said, thank you to everybody. I said, please, everybody be safe. I'm out of here. I'm done for the day. And I'm not kidding. People were clapping. They were like, oh, this guy found his phone. Like, he looked so desperate and sad. And now he found it. They were clapping. And I, I hugged the guy. <laughs> I hugged. I said, can I hug you? And he said, yeah. And so it was a scene. It was a true, like, anybody who was there saw it. And so I don't know if he was looking down at his freaking camera or whatever he was doing. But I want to find out. Media organizations are putting out fake news, making it impossible for us to know what is really going on. And so I was having, I had a really long conversation. That's what lawsuits are for. Yeah, but who can afford a hundred grand? And then, and then the New York Times puts a well, bunch of their high-powered multi-million-dollar lawyers on it and get it, get it crushed. They say, "Oh, it was an opinion." Doge is bumping right now. <laughs> Doge is bumping. I guess I was talking to a friend, man. And it's, it's, and it's, it's not a hundred grand, but it, it 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 can get there very quickly. It's crazy how many people there are that don't know what is going on in any capacity because they only absorb news passively. So they turn on. They read the New York Times. Yeah, like they, my friend's parents. And they who, and they're who said like, I look like a terrorist, and I can never, you know, and that's like, you know what? My dad taught me to to stand tall, and that's what I'm gonna have to do here because so what, I'm not gonna let those guys stomp on me so, like that because so they think I look some way. You look at the story, the segment we were just talking about before this one, the uh, the, the gardener, you know, Jake Gardner. He, he took his own life. The mob was coming after him. You see what happens when the media falsely frames things? It makes them money to mm-hmm. get the mob all angry. Mm-hmm. And you know what, man? They don't care. They don't care that they burn the system down. I, I genuinely believe. I had, I had a long uh, conversation with Peter Bogosian, James Lindsay, mostly Peter Bogosian. Uh, they're the guys from the, the they're the, and Helen Pluckrose. They were the, the crew that did the subtle squared hoax. But I was mostly talking to Peter Bogosian about how I think the media is the problem. Mm-hmm. And he said he, th- he thought it was the universities talking about critical race theory, wokeness, the conflict and everything. And I was like, it, it, it is. I, I'm not saying it's not. I know critical race theory came out of universities. But it only found its path to the mainstream because of social media algorithms and media manipulation. Mm-hmm. The, you look at the, be- the the curve of all all of a sudden, you see all these buzzwords appearing. Lexus Lexus Nexus data showing like like around 2010, the in- instances of the word racism skyrocket like a thousand percent, ten thousand percent. This is what opens the, opens the door for all of this woke stuff from these universities. But I I will also concede as well. That you had a lot of young people in universities now entering the workforce mm-hmm. at, at, at a similar time being indoctrinated by these ideas. But I genuinely believe the door was open because manipulation, uh, social media and news companies, there was this, this, this nexus event where social media was destroying news companies, venture capitalist funded firms jumped in with no, with, with no care in the world for fact checking or any credibility and started pumping out rage bait garbage on Facebook drives everybody insane. Now, now what's, what's happened is you can see this. The New York Times quickly realized in the mid 2010s, we can't compete with BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed can just say some crazy garbage yep. and get a million clicks. We got to play that game too. So the New York Times gets on, New York Times gets on board. We see this when like that, uh, that uh, opinion editor guy, he was forced to resign because he published an op-ed mm-hmm. from Tom Cotton, which was like standard procedure, but they're like, we're going to do. About the Insurrection Act. 
Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, we're, we're going to do whatever the audience wants to make money and we're going to, we're going to pander. They hired that, that one woman, Sarah Jong, who was posting unrepented racist yeah. things on Twitter for years. But you know what? I don't you, don't you think that we're now in a divergent society where, you know, like, the Twitterati and corporate media are going in one direction and normal common sense people are going in another. And I just will say, like, the one thing I'll say about Kenosha, and I think that this is actually like a silver lining of kind of the obstacle course that I had to navigate in terms of dealing with the media after what happened, just trying to say what I saw. So what happened was I went on Tucker because he asked me on first. He was the only, you know, right after the shooting, he said, you know, you want to see what happened. And so I explained on that show live to his whole audience what I what he told me he was there for Kyle Rittenhouse why he was there what he said okay what he told me CNN then took that in a report and I won't name the reporter but he said McGinnis supported the conservative claim that Rittenhouse acted in self-defense and so then I emailed CNN legal and I said um you made a misstatement about me I relayed what the motivation of the shooter was which he told me 15 minutes before the shooting. You were reporting. Yes, exactly. And so you can do one of two things. And this is America. And when you want to get something done, you just threaten to sue people. That's right. And I said, you can have me on to correct the record or prepare for court. And guess what? That reporter, uh, I give him a lot of credit. He had me, he had me back on probably because the CNN guys went <laughs> to the legal department and said, you better fix this or we're going to, you know, and th- that was six minutes long that they did. And you know what? They did a very good job of covering the event after that fact. So Well, good for them. Uh, I worked for Fusion, which was the ABC News Univision joint venture. I was in San Jose, and I was at this Trump event, and there was a massive crowd running around beating people. It was, it was insane. They were bur- many of them were Bernie supporters. I know because some of them were carrying you know Bernie swag and said they were. And uh, incidentally, that's incidental. This guy comes out. And he's, you know, cheering. He's like, yeah, Trump. And they're all screaming at him, spitting on him. And he just keeps walking. He turns the corner. Someone runs up with a heavy bag and smacks him in the head with it. He starts bleeding. And I'm fil- I run up. I'm filming the whole thing. I, he, he starts crossing the street. The police has caught him. I chase, chase him up, chase, chase him down. You know, like I'm running after him. I'm like, hey, can I, can you tell me what happened? And I'm filming. So I get this very short clip where he's like, I'm just walking and someone hits me. The video gets like a million views in less than a day. I, we, the, the PR team, I believe it was PR at, uh, uh Fusion immediately got hit up by Fox News. Can your can we have your reporter come on and tell us what happened? The the higher ups messaged me like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to go like we do PR? Do you want to go on Cavuto? And I was like, what's that? And like Fox News. And I was like, should I? I'm like, it's Fox News. Like and they're like, yeah, yeah, you should totally do it. And I was like, okay. So I I go on Fox News and talk about what happened. I'm like, yeah, hit, hit with the bag. We don't know what it was. And then people at the company after seeing that I went on Fox News, called me a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but they told me to do it. Mm-hmm. See, the people who were running the company didn't know what they were really supporting when they hired young, psychotic, woke cult members. Mm-hmm. They were just like, it's young activists. Mm-hmm. So when in their Gen Xer minds, they were like, doing PR is normal. We don't care if he goes on Fox News. But they didn't realize that the, the, that the, tr- the tribalism of the younger yeah. millennials and the older Gen Z was – if you dare go on and talk to any of these people, you are them or worse. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? 
Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Don't you think there's a flip side too, though, where there's like, if you're on CNN, you're a communist or you're nope, on MSNBC? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Politics only flows in one direction. If a right wing person goes and meets up with a left wing person, they call the left wing person right wing. <laughs> there, there's there, there's no like a left wing person can go to a MAGA event and they're like, he's actually right wing. A right wing person can go to a left wing event and they'll be like, the event was actually right wing. Oh. <laughs> we, we put on an event called ending violence. It, it was a meeting of the minds or whatever. Ending violence, racism and authoritarianism. And we had Daryl Davis, the famed like. Uh, 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 activist who got 200 plus Klansmen to quit the Klan. He was our headline speaker and they claimed because we had some right wing people, it was a far right event of racists. Mm-hmm. So even if you have, you know, Daryl Davis and prominent, we had, we had, we had leftists, we had social justice activists. They showed up. The whole event was far right. They threatened to burn down the theater. The theater canceled on us. We had to move it to a casino in order, in order to hold it. And we ended up losing half our capacity mm-hmm. and we sold, we had sold out. So we had lost a ton and what do you do? You threaten to sue? Well, I think that's the point is you have to attack the gatekeepers, right? And the gatekeepers of, you know, the way that people, especially after all the lockdowns, the way that people interpret reality is through the media. And so if, if something is being interpreted, something that's happening in reality is being interpreted incorrectly, you go to the, you go to the people who, who put that forth. So you call me this, you call me a rioter. How did that happen? I got two corrections out of the New York Times. It wasn't enough because they, they still printed. Right. The fact that I was a rioter and put corrections behind it. Want to know why? Because it's more expensive to reprint. Right. And my reputation was worth, I don't know. What was it worth? I'm, I darn well would like to find out because that was the sole reason why they didn't reprint the actual caption in print. You're going to sue them? I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> I but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I think you should talk to Veritas. No, I don't think I should at all. No. Because they're partisan actors in my mind. All right, right. And, yeah. and I want to approach this from the direction of truth and not from some kind of ideological side. And I'm not like, oh, take down the New York slimes because they're all commies or whatever. I, I, I think well, that they this don't, was... Well, Veritas wouldn't say that. No, But I understand I know, I know. their views are partisan I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, sure. but... Yeah. I, I, you know, they're viewed as a certain thing right. um, by, you know, the greater media. And I'd rather come at it as just an individual who's trying to stand tall for myself. And um, you, you know it. what? If whatever, maybe maybe I'm a young, young enough to enter financial ruin for my you know, <laughs> for the sake of the truth. I got to be honest. I think I I'd settle with you. Well, I don't care. I want what I want them to know is that I'm willing to go the distance in order to get to the bottom of what happened. And so if they want to settle to just set that aside, I don't know if I'm interested in that. There's an interesting tweet that I saw from Jack Posobiec. I saw it from Luke Rutkowski. I saw it, saw it from Mike Cernovich. <laughs> the 10 stages of genocide. Have mm-hmm. you seen this this graphic Mm-mm. at all? Have you Mm-mm. seen it? Mm-mm. All right. So Jack Posobiec said, assess. And it's a graphic that has 10 steps. And it says the 10 stages of genocide. Let me read them. Number one, classification. People are divided into us and them. Number two, symbolization. People are forced to identify themselves. Number three, discrimination. People begin to face systematic discrimination. Four, dehumanization. People equated with animals, vermin, or diseases. Five, organization. The government creates specific groups to enforce the policies. Six, polarization. The government broadcasts propaganda to turn the populace against the group. Seven, preparation. Official action to remove and relocate people. Eight is persecution. 
the beginning of murders, theft of property, trial massacres. Nine is extermination, wholesale elimination of the group. It is not extermination and un, uh, uh, it, it is extermination and not murder because people are not considered human. And 10 is denial. The government denies it has committed any crime. So Mike Cernovich shared this. Many people are sharing it and they're asking where you think we are. Mike Cernovich's post said 6.5 just before seven hmm. that we are just about to see official action to remove and relocate people. I saw many people responding to the meme saying they think we're at between six or seven. I'm not entirely sure I'm convinced. I think people might be really hyping things up. Like I, I, I understand there's like the, a, a, a lopsided justice system right now. I understand there's problems, but to say we're just about to see official action to remove a group of people, I think that's going a little bit too far from a lot of these personalities. I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, three, somewhere between three and six. Uh, we didn't form an, uh, an organization to take the care Capitol of these Police. people. Well, that was already formed. They're but expanding it. Into, they're, they're becoming a new intelligence agency and they're going nationwide. Right. This that, is, this that's why I said between because it's not officially a new organization to do that. It's well, just that's semantics, bro. A, Come on. A current organization. That's semantics. Like they didn't build the Republican extermination fund or anything. Do you know what the Secret Service is tasked with doing? I have no idea. Tracking counterfeit U.S. dollars. Did you know that? No. What did you think they did? Guarded the president's That's life. That's right. Because that was, that was. Dude, the de- Department of Energy, the, the Department of Energy is like the biggest weapons program on earth. <laughs> I learned <laughs> that in the Wild crazy? West. That's where I learned that fact about the, the, the Secret Wild Service. West, yeah. yeah, they did. It was counterfeiting. Yeah, and so, Smith, great movie. so, uh, of, co- of course, I say that, that's, that's, that's a semantic argument. The, the argument put forth by Mike Cernan, which was the Capitol Police are becoming a local police, a federal police agency just for the, for the, for the DC, but now they're going to operate a California, Florida. Look, man. You, you see these things, and I talked about this in Chicago. They'll knock the whole building down except for just the facade and claim it's the same building. But everybody knows it's not the same building. So the, the law is so long as one wall stands, it legally is. So mm. the floors are different, the size is different, and it's like a weird-looking building with this tiny, like, two-story front brick frame, mm. and then it's a steel building behind it or something ridiculous. So anyway, but but I, I don't completely disagree with you, Ian. You know, it's a broad, it's a broad stretch to say between three and six. So... The first thing I'll point out is classification. Obviously, we're all divided between us and them in a lot of different ways. The left, the right, the far right, whatever. Who's being forced to, to identify themselves? Is anybody forced to do anything? I'm not that worried. I mean, this is America. Forced. I think we'll figure it out. They've got the pronouns in the Twitter bio, but it's <laughs> yeah, not for true. some organizations might fire you if you don't identify your well, pronouns. That's, so that, I think that's more of the question here is like it's not your actual physical well-being more so as it's like your ability to operate in polite society right. as, you know, somebody who's like, you know, if you lose PayPal, if you lose any access to banks and stuff like that. I mean, and that's I mean, you heard about what's going on, right? Uh, uh, there was an announcement from PayPal working with the ADL to to weed out extremist transactions. And then Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter announced that they're going to be targeting, uh, what do they, they say, attacker manifestos in the, in the far right, including the Proud Boys content. So Proud Boys content is now like to be purged. So they're not just talking about censorship now. They're talking about financial restrictions and censorship. And they're they're playing this game of the far right. So all that needs to happen is a sustain a long enough campaign where enough media outlets call you far right, and then they can say, "Oh, but look, it's it's here. He's far right. Everyone knows it." Someone, uh, I think it was a Democratic politician, tweeted out that they people were vermin. Did you guys see that last week? Bro, they say maggots the all word, day. Yeah, yeah, maggots and vermin. That's the the dehumanization and then the extermination. It's not murder if they're rats, you know. Mm. That's or that's maggots. But don't concerning. you think if, if so? Like, I mean, I've had both experiences, which is I've had reporters reach out to me about Kenosha, for example. 
and get totally like talk to them for hours and had them totally manipulate what I said, you know, for their own agenda. But then I've also had, you know, situations where like Huffington Post and um, a New Yorker article that just came article that just came out by Paige Williams. I talked to her at length and she didn't put that qualifier right wing daily caller in there. And I talked to her afterwards and she said, yeah, because, you know, I talked to you and, you know, you Well, they're they're real journalists. Yeah. So there I mean, my point is, is that it's not like this monolith of just bad people in the corporate media. I think if you really make an effort to actually extend your hand and and try to tell your truth to those people rather than just shutting yourself down and say, no, 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 you have this agenda and I'm not going to talk to you. Sure, you might fall on your face a couple times and the intercept might put a hit piece out on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally, this, yeah, this is, this is but, funny. I, uh, <laughs> at least you're trying and I think it, some good comes of that. The SPLC hit me up and asked for a statement. And so I wrote like a really long statement and I was like, I, I genuinely think that Jack Dorsey's stated intention is to have basically everyone behind these platforms, even people we all kind of disagree shouldn't, we, we all kind of agree shouldn't be like there's, there's, there are free speech, free speech absolutists, but you know, there's like certain things you shouldn't be posting on social media, like images of, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. And I was like, Jack Dorsey told me that his goal is immutable social media, that he wants to make blockchain social media so nothing can ever be taken down. And I'm like, bro, that's that's way over the top. Like, I'm not asking for that. I'm just like, let people have political opinions. You don't ban him for saying learn to code. He's like, nah, everything. Now, nah, I don't believe him. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't have the power that he that people think he has in Twitter. But so th- this guy asks me, and I basically, you know, gave him a full and honest opinion, and he calls me a far-right reactionary. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, if you actually... And so what he did was, there's, there's a clever thing that I think he did to avoid looking like he's lying. He put my statement as an external link instead of including it in the piece. Because then when you go to it, you're like, oh, this guy's kind of moderate. You know what I mean? Like, he's not really far left or anything, but... I think you tapped on a really important point right there, though. And that goes back to what we were saying about, you know, are we at the point where, you know, people are being identified as groups and, you know, removed, like, physically? No, but... Um, and I, like, coach... Uh, some like 20 somethings you know zoomers uh, in hockey and one thing i noticed is the degree to which you can say whatever you want to them in person you can throw whatever words about you want and they won't really be phased but if somebody says something about them digitally it's like it consumes them you know even if it's just in a snapchat even if it's in instagram comments or whatever because that lives forever and so like if you google whoever's name and this news outlet decides to say this that's immutable and until, you know, something else becomes the top result, that's you. Yeah, that's a big problem with the – because what, I, what I've been looking at is it's a culture uh, – politics is downstream of culture. Big popular – I think it was Breitbart quote. Mm-hmm. Then I realized that, well, uh, culture is downstream of technology. So these technological algorithms that are supporting, you know, rage trash mm-hmm. bait, like they say Ian Crossland's a psychopath, mm-hmm. and then that gets retweeted. So then that – in fortifies the algorithm and then all of a sudden psychopath and Ian Crossland starts showing up that's why this digital mm-hmm. statement is so much more powerful than a verbal statement because it's feeding the technological problem yeah. there, there a good example is uh some smear some gizmodo article this is, this is really funny the left has like one video clip of me they love to regurgitate because like the only real thing I guess they have and it's from like a year and a half ago and so gizmodo wrote it up like a, like a few months ago and in this article where they take this clip you know, out of context, they claim Tim Pool's mostly right wing audience. And then I'm like, what what does that mean? <laughs> like, did you poll them? Do you know who the audience is? And then what happened was a couple other outlets 
regurgitated the article and said the same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And then someone mm-hmm. put it on my Wikipedia. Yeah. Tim Pool's audience is mostly right wing. Well, like I guess uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's still there or not. But in the talk sec- section, you can see them saying like something about just because someone says it in an article doesn't mean it's true. And they're like, well, then a couple, like three article, three articles have all claimed it. So we don't, we, we're not the ones to investigate. If they say mm-hmm. it's true, then we include it. And I'm like, yo, none of these people have actually asked my audience who they are, what they believe. And yeah. the, and the Trump supporters, like, like the, the, the diehard Trump supporters really don't like me over like my reaction to Joe Biden winning the election. It's like, you know, we, we did a poll and found, I think the biggest group was libertarian. Mm-hmm. The, 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 like the, the plurality was libertarian. And then like, uh, um, Trump supporters, uh, moderates, and then liberals. And there were even some progressives. What about Kanye like, West voters? Oh, that's like 70%. Like just all, everybody. No, no, but the point is, like, what does it mean to be right wing? Are libertarians necessarily right wing? Not necessarily. I mean, what happened to the left libertarians of which made up most of the young people in like the early 2010s who are now the anti-SJW types? The oh, it's certainly shifting. I mean, I think we're in the midst of a, of a shift. So obviously it's it's kind of up in the air right now and it's but, a question of where the where the chips will fall but what does left and right even mean nothing man nothing it, it, oh. it, so so it, it, here's the problem you go to somebody and you and you know we had steve bannon here steve bannon said he was far right and i was like steve you just said tax the rich yeah. and he was like well i'm a populist and i'm like how is that I, far I, that's why right? i've always been opposed to that kind of you know characterization i mean we have in america because of the two-party system we have a very binary way of like viewing our reality and it's like you know Growing up, I don't think it was that much of an issue. Like, it, it was never like, oh, you, you know, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And now it's like, where do you fall? Oh, it, oh, I you, think, Jimmy. Have, what do you think of Donald Trump? Huh? <laughs> well, if, if you, if you like him, you're fine. Do you like him? How much do you like him? He's a funny guy. Make America <laughs> great again. Do you, do you avow? Do you avow <laughs> January 6th? A vow? <laughs> yeah. Say it right now. Disavow. Yeah, disavow. I, 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 I disavow. <laughs> That's my point, though, is everything this, has to be you, a lynch but, but you know issue. The, you know what the weirdest thing about online arguments is? It's like some leftists will come up and they'll be like, well, will you, you, you're complaining about Black Lives Matter. Disavow January 6th. And I'll go, I disavow yeah, January 6th. Exactly. It was awful. It was really bad. Yeah. And they're like, well. Yeah. And it's really funny right now because a lot of conservatives are saying my body, my choice over you know vaccine stuff. And the left is like, hey, the pro-lifers have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm like, I've always been pro-choice, and I think my body, my choice pertains to all of it. Oh, yeah. And they don't argue with me about it because they're like, <laughs> what do we say about that guy? Uh-oh, he's consistent in his, in his positioning. How I'm like, he? dude, it's because they don't understand what libertarian is, right? I'm not going to pretend to be mm-hmm. like big Al libertarian in any way. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, and you kind of should leave people alone, I guess. But you're, you're right. I mean, it's a question of like cultural conservatism versus – like I would argue that you know Trumpian conservatism has less of that cultural aspect of yes. conservatism. I don't think even Trump though is he's, he's like, do we all? Do, can we honestly say, like, when twenty years ago was Trump like anti-abortion? Nope, no. he's a Democrat. Not at all. Yeah, so why was already a reform right party? Well, exactly, doing cocaine off of hookers. Yeah. Here, here's yeah. crazy <laughs> dude. In the, 80s. the dude's not conservative. He's populist, and so he got a, a lot of mm. new people into the Republican Party. But I want to go back to that SPLC thing. I mentioned this before. I mentioned this the other day. When they refer to me as a reactionary and then show my full statement where I'm like, I said, you know, I said bigots have no place in polite society. Like bigots, homophobes, transphobes, racists have no place in polite society. He includes that and says that's reactionary. It's like, okay, what you're really saying is that you're an insurrectionist. 
the Southern Poverty Law Center, these organizations and these activists are insurrectionists who want a complete upheaval and overthrow of the U.S. government. Because reactionary are the people who oppose the revolution. So you can have leftist values. You can believe in the progressive social justice cause. But if you tell them they're wrong for wanting to burn everything to the ground, they'll call you a reactionary. I literally come out like several times a month talking with people about healthcare, And I'm like, I think we need universal health care. Like a basic level, maybe. I've leaned away from it a little bit because of the, the race-based vaccine rollouts. And my concern is that if we have government-based health care and then the, the racists take over, they'll make everything race-based and then withhold health care mm-hmm. from people. Based on, that's scary. But that's not left-wing. Mm-hmm. I can say tax the rich, not left-wing. What is it? Do you support the upheaval and overthrow of American culture or don't you? Because if you, if you like apple pie and baseball or whatever, you're a reactionary. You can believe in all the good social justice stuff. You can make a documentary about blockbusting and redlining and racism. Doesn't matter. Will you support the revolution? Yes or no? But don't you think to a certain extent the quote-unquote cultural revolution that you're referring to is mainstream now? Like, don't you think that the critique is now the mainstream insofar as, like, the majority of people think that about apple pie and baseball that, like, you know— America is corrupt and America is doomed to be racist and terrible forever. I look at the polling and I think it's fair to say that the ultra woke make up a tiny percentage relatively, but it's growing. I think in our media, I think it's a different story. In the media, it's like 80 percent. The algorithm, it's it's caught. So I'm not talking about like average everyday Americans because traveling around the country, that's not the case. But I'm not so convinced Mm. because Mm. it's not necessarily. So look, I had it. I talked to I'm talking to my friend. And we're, we're arguing about, you know, like, uh, um, vaccine passports and requirements, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be light on the crux of the conversation because YouTube is ban happy. But suffice it to say, I said, I don't trust the government mm-hmm. blindly. You know, I'll, I'll consider what they mm-hmm. say and consider the source. You always consider the source. I don't trust big pharma. I don't. And I don't understand why the left has come out in favor of a massive for-profit venture mm-hmm. to transfer tax funds to major pharmaceuticals yes. instead of talking about real ways to help save lives through the healthcare system. That being said, I think vaccines are safe and effective. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. I do and, and, and I have one thing I've absolutely stressed is that we've had like 360 million doses of the vaccine. VAERS is serious. One of the, like the VAERS reporting is serious. One of the problems is that when you censor the conversation, you, you, you freak people out. So, this guy is, is coming at me arguing that by simply telling people to go talk to their own doctor about what's right for them and make sure the doctor, because I genuinely believe it's the right thing to do because people could have allergies or whatever. He's like, well, you're scaring people. And I'm like, dude, when did you become the champion of big pharma? What? Yeah, it's about because the collective and not your exact, individual decision. And that's the it's ultimate about the, point. The, the benefit of the collective over the individual and the primacy of the individual is the foundation. You know, the fact that every individual is inherited in the image of God, that's... That's America right there. Exactly my point. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So to go back to what we were talking about before I got into that, that was the idea. That there could be something so uh, innately leftist. Stop giving taxpayer funds to for-profit pharmaceutical companies. And they actively defend it right now. Mm-hmm. 
because it's for the, it's for the, their 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 collective has formed a narrative that must be upheld at all costs. That's yeah. why we're in a paradigm shift right now. This because l- the, the 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 progressives are the corporatists now. Right. right. It's like my mom in the early you know late sixties early seventies in Washington D.C. She was a progressive who was fighting yeah. against. And I had this conversation with her the other day, and I was just like, "Yo, Ma, like, what's the you know what do you think about like you know these modern feminists, these modern?" And she's like. It's, you know, I can't say what she said because she's, <laughs> um, because she's, she's not so, family friendly, you know, and, and that's exactly what we're going, going back to what we were saying earlier is the critique has become the mainstream. And so it's no longer revolutionary and it's become stale. And guess what? Corporatized. I don't think the cr- it's like a corporate wait, message now. Wait, 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 wait. You mean, you mean the activists? Yeah. Is so, mainstream. Exactly. So I'm saying I, I that, thought you were saying criticizing the woke was mainstream. N- no, ex- no. Well, <laughs> not yet. But I think that, the, you know, we're in the midst of a shift right now. But all I'm saying is that when my mom was protesting in Washington, D.C., protesting the Vietnam War, that was very different from, you know, um, I think th- that was a fringe portion of the society. It was the young Dude. people who thought one way. And that, now the corporations think just like those this, young people who are out in the streets. That's th- all I'm saying. This is the fourth turning. You're familiar with the fourth turning, right? Fourth turning? No? No. Don't ring a bell? So you know it's it's the this the four seasons every eighty years there's yes okay yeah every twenty gotcha, years you gotcha, have a cycle yes, yeah yeah all right so for those that are not familiar I forget the, there's a historian Strauss Howe generational yeah. theory yeah. yeah and so you've got these the, the different seasons within it there's four periods they're about twenty twenty years long each this is the what's ha- what we're seeing right now with uh this what, what you refer to as the paradigm shift right mm-hmm. like your mom was counterculture opposing the major corporations. Now the, the the generation today, the young generation, is pro corporate. Mm-hmm. Amazon's got their Black Lives Matter logo. You know, Netflix, all these big. There's a video game. I can't remember what video game it was. It opened up and it said Black Lives Matter. Mm. The 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 attacking the establishment has become the establishment in a very yeah. weird way. But this is why I say it's the fourth turning. When you had a youth, you you had a culture of young people growing up being told to fight the power. You know, fight the system, fight the man. Then when they all become adults and inherit the power, their worldview is still fight the power. Mm-hmm. So now they're in power, yeah. telling everyone to fight the power, which leads us to the fourth season, the fourth turning. The great conflict is if you take an entire generation and tell them the system is broken and corrupt and you must fight back, they inherit the power and then start ripping it to shreds and gutting it. Yeah, you're going to get a crisis. Imagine you're, 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 fl- you're driving in a car and some dudes actively like punching holes in the floor and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. jam things against your drive shaft or something. You're going to crash. But I think if we live in a flourishing, fully functioning society, then we actually raise people who are critical thinkers who are able to, you know, shed their old self and see, mm. uh, you know, a new truth or, or change their perspective as they get older. But and like, just like my mom did. And, you know, sure. And now well, she's but, like, but did she really? Well, I think she did. You know, I think she had a certain way of viewing politics um, in the last five years. That she's certainly changed. I mean, maybe as a byproduct of like being, you know, me being her son <laughs> and my younger brother, like caught her on like a work Zoom meeting. Like, yeah. So everybody knows that, uh, you know, that's so it's all just media narratives. And, it's, and, I'm, and he's like, whoa, 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 mom, mom, mom. You can't. Come on. Like, this is not for Zoom calls. I love it. it is. It, it is, though. <laughs> my and son told me this. <laughs> so it, it really is. It's like, you know, uh, hard times make strong men. Strong, may, strong men make good times. Good times, weak men. Weak men, hard times, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because you have th- this period of like, you know, look, the boomers, man. What were they? They were like hippies and protesters. And now they're all leading these big corporations. And what happened? You know what I mean? How how have you seen SLC Punk? That movie, 
Mm-mm. Have you seen SLC Punkian? No. Oh, come on, you guys. What's it about? <laughs> it's about this guy in Salt Lake City. He's a punk. And then it ends with him, oh. like, wearing oh, a yeah. suit. And, okay. like, at a certain point, people accept the establishment. And, you know, it's it's really interesting to see how generations play a role in this. The children of the boomers, the echo boomers or the millennials. I like that word echo boomer. People, like don't, people, that, don't, yeah. people don't call millennials echo boomers, though. Uh, they inherited a lot of the anger and rage of the fight the man, F the system from their boomer parents. So they grow up with that instilled completely in them. And then when they inherit the system, the moment they do, they start doing all sorts of wacky, broken, effed up BS. Yeah, but so here's my question is if everything that you're saying about like why <laughs> why is fighting the system now supporting Joe Biden? Like where did Bernie you know, where did Bernie go? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great question. So that's Bernie the, Bernie Bernie <laughs> Here's my them. point is how did that like revolutionary movement get completely hijacked and now like the wool is over everybody's eyes? Or are people actually awake to this and it's just our media is far removed from the way that you know everyone's Collectivism, like, Wait a second. dude. Collectivism. They they're I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird comp it's it's I think it's an amalgam of the the, the generation assumes the power and becomes the, the establishment while telling everyone to fight the establishment, not realizing it's them. Mm-hmm. And so then they target the not establishment. Like mm-hmm. Republicans have states. That's what they have. They control, what is it, 36 states or something like that. That's not the, that, the power paradigm to, to a certain extent. I mean, it's powerful having that many states. If they get, I think, two more states or whatever, then they can have a constitutional convention. But for the, for, for the most part, in this country, universities, movies, video games, federal level politics, cool. the Democrats. Social media, too. I mean, social media. It's all left. It's all progressive. Yeah, and that's what, that's what ultimately compels people to make decisions in their reality. Like, government is one thing, and you make a very concerted you know, decision, very, like, I go to the polls to vote for this person because I ideologically think this. But in terms of like, I have a friend who I'm not going to name similarly to why you wouldn't, but he has a wedding of his, his actually his best, best friend's brother in Canada, right? Mm. And it's coming up and it's like, should I get vaccinated just to go to the wedding? Cause my buddy's going to be sad if I don't. And everybody at that wedding is going to say, where is he? You know? Oh, he's, he's not here because he doesn't have the vaccine. Mm. He couldn't get over the border. Social pressure. And so then it's social, it's social pressure that's compelling you to make a medical decision. And that's, that's the problem I have with it. You know, and that, and, and that specific subject, like, you gotta talk to your doctor, man. Like this, this the, I he just, did, and, he, and yeah, it's, it's doctor. Well, I'm not gonna say what his doctor said. <laughs> he made his decision, and, and, and that, but that's what I told him. Did All his go? friends were saying something different. Did he end up going? Um, I think what's gonna happen, and I, I don't want to say too much because I'm not sure he's going to try to go without the, you know, situation. <laughs> um, and see what happens. Your doctor might tell tried. you, man. Like, yeah. like uh, look, you, you, you talk to a doctor and they might actually tell you, you might be surprised. I, I can't believe there's so many people who, who don't trust their doctors, to be completely honest. Well, I, exactly. Well, here's the, the amount of people that are telling that individual, yo, like, I can't believe that you would do that, you know, because it's a medical, personal medical decision that he's making and it's becoming this, like, you're a bad person because you think, because you're doing that. Yeah, when they, they talked about It's splitting. like the collective. Oh, what about everybody else? You With know? this genocide thing, the splitting people into groups, I was thinking about the vaxxed and the non-vaxxed mm-hmm. as opposed to the pronouns. It, yes. Yeah, the vaxxed and the, the non-vaxxed. And the, the, yeah. the, it's not just ma- maggots and, like, and what? Lib, you know, liberals or whatever. Like they're like, did you get the vaccine? Yeah, what vaccine? Well, for what? Don't be a so funny general. Turn- Don't be so tongue-in-cheek. There's a funny crossover there between like the granola major lefties who are anti-vax for a certain reason. Right, right, and right. The hippie the, 
Crystal you know, Mary yeah, Mark. exactly. And so, like, it's a weird, like, you know, the Marianne Williamson supporters. Oh, people that want to live naturally, and then the people that are actually are afraid of the vaccine are, com- yeah, are like dude, different see, types no, of no, people. No, this, anti-vaxxers were lefties, this, right? Left libertarians, yeah. man. This is what I can't stand when I go on political compass memes on Reddit. Mm-hmm. You, ever, you ever see it? It's a great subreddit, by the way. It's no. really funny. Political compass memes because right. they they, they rag, every, rag on everybody, but they keep claiming the libertarian left is antifa and woke, and I'm like, that's not what the libertarian left is. The woke antifa left are authoritarians who want to beat people. I mean, there was a video that was posted by Ford Fisher where there were guys outside of like a, a medical, it was like a medical facility, and they were anti-mask. They were like, don't wear masks, and antifa showed up and started beating them for not following state guidelines. That is not <laughs> <Yeah>. left libertarian. <laughs> left libertarians are like. Marion Williamson. Uh, they yeah. insult her. They called her the woo-woo crystal lady, and she was like, I don't have crystals. <laughs> but you want to you wanna know what left libertarian is? It is the hippies who are like, I eat tree bark because it cured my, my skin rash or whatever. <laughs> like, they're the hippies, the weirdo, the crystal wearing. And, and, and look, you know, Luke... We, we, we love Luke, we love but Luke. he wears crystals too, and he's, yeah. he's like an ANCAP. Your bones are made of crystal. Hydroxyapatite. Your bones are made of graphene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ian's maybe. Point, yeah. the, the point is, the point is, left libertarians are these people. And, and the reason why they're adamantly opposed is for personal decision reasons for the most part, but they get mocked as kooky and crazy. And what's funny is whenever I bring up to, I was like, I was talking to a lefty friend of mine about lefty conspiracies, and of course I mentioned Russia Gate. And Ukraine gate and all the stuff, and they're like, "Well, I don't know, man. Well, we'll see. That that's that that's still out. Uh, you know, we'll see what that." Yeah, we're waiting wait for, no. for the Mueller report to drop. Yeah, that's no, no, right. no. But they they, <laughs> they think that like Mueller will, will be revealed, and I'm like, "Bro, this is blue and non level stuff." And then when I mention the lefty anti-vax people, which were like the the preeminent anti-vaxxers to begin with, they're like, "That's not true. Those people aren't left wing." And I'm like, "Have you talked to them? Yeah. They are like as lefty commune hippie flower wearing as you can get." Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same thing as the, you know, basically like this weird progressive support for the police state and like, the intelligence <laughs> right? state. And it's like, yo, I was like, I grew up anti-Bush, anti-Iraq war. And as a result, like anti-Patriot Act. And like, if like I were a true lefty, I'd be supporting like the CIA right now. Like what? We 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 just watched uh, South, Southland Tales. You ever see it? No. It was made in what, what year was it? 2007? I don't know. It's, uh, I think 2007, like maybe 2006. And it was made by the guy who did Donnie Darko. And it's, it's like, man, you, you guys got to check this movie out because it was written about a future, not too distant future, where like a, a nuclear war happens. And then you've got the Republicans who expand the Patriot Act and the Democrats who have like, who, who there's like a, the rise of the neo Marxist movement. It's just really fascinating to watch a movie from the mid 2000s. To see where the liberals thought our society would go. Because, mm-hmm. boy, were they wrong. They were like the Republicans were going to become, you know, authoritarian, expanding the patriarchy, all that stuff. And instead, what did we get? We got the, 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 the reality TV star, real estate guy who calls him a horse face on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, certainly not the same. He won't even call in the, 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 the police to deal. He won't call in federal, uh, 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 the insurrection act to deal with riots. In that movie, they actually had like special forces that were just shooting Marxists. Like, that's what these people thought was going to happen back then. Didn't happen. So, I got to ask, in this movie, was a Republican the president or was a Democrat the president? Because Obama was elected and then everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great thing. I can't remember. 
Um, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the movie to be a play honest. I was like kind of half watching it, <laughs> but it very much so. I was like, it's got a ton of people like Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it, Justin Timberlake's in it, The Rock's in it. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Sean William Scott, is that his name? He's in it. Yeah, Idiocracy is probably more, more prophetic than, uh, definitely. Than that. Yeah, Idiocracy for sure. You know, it's actually a great book that, um, it was actually the last book that my dad ever gave me before he passed. Yeah, sorry, but it's, it's significant in that respect because it's called Arrogance and it's, um, it's Bernard Goldberg, and it's mm. it's the sequel to Bias. But basically, the subhead for that book is rescuing rescuing America from the media elite. Oh wow! And in that book, what he predicts is, you know, at that time in two thousand three, I think it was written, the nightly news was getting like twenty five million views yeah. per broadcast, and he's like, that is all going to crumble. And as it crumbles, they'll be trying to cling to control of the narrative and. I mean, that's really what we're witnessing. I mean, papers and, you know, the nightly news, cable news, it's, it's all collapsing and they have to just, you know, I trump men- up ratings. Basically. I mentioned this six years ago because uh, the CEO of Vice said there was going to be a bloodbath in digital. He was like, it's not going to last. And the reason for it, in my opinion, was that a lot of these digital news outlets were doing this this trick called it – was, it was called like um, ads – ad rights uh, – um, uh, yeah, ad rights assignments, something like that. Here's what they would do. They would – You'd make a website, and we'll call it, like, superawesomenews.com or whatever. Well, I shouldn't actually say a word. We'll call it, you know, just j- j- uh, xnews.com. Wait, that's actually probably a name of a news organization. I'm okay, sure that is, yeah. Hi- hi- <laughs> hypothetical, non-existent news organization. Perfect. And let's say it gets 10 million views per month. They want to sell ads. But that's not a whole lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they do is they license the rights to views from click farms. So you'll get, you know, a generic click farm, click farm website that will be like, look at all these pictures of, you know, Tom Cruise, like smiling. And then it'll, it'll, it'll say like 25 photos of crazy celebrity photos. And every time you click one, it makes you reload yeah. a new page because that turns one person, one article into 25 pages, yeah. 25 pages. <laughs> Dude, it's like, then <laughs> here's what happens. The news organization then buys the rights to those views and claims there are views. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now, this small news outlet is getting 100 million views That's per month. Crazy. So, so you know, he was saying there's going to be a bloodbath. I said, these companies don't realize they're on the way out. And their views, even cable TV, are going down, down, down every day. I know we saw a big spike because of Trump, but it's going down. Mm-hmm. They're bleeding. It's consolidating in a lot of ways. But it's 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 like for, uh, in order for the New York Times to survive, it must create more entropy around it than than you know uh, it negates. To put it this way, you might have a hundred million subscribers to news outlets nationwide through all the different local outlets, but most people are canceling those subscriptions, mm-hmm. and the New York Times is picking up only some of them. Everyone else is getting news for free from Rage Bay Trash. So the New York Times might see its subscribers go up a few million as the country sees total subscriptions go down. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose their influence. They're going to make good money, and they're going to start thrashing about violently once they realize they're drowning. It's like when you know when uh, someone starts suffocating and they start just violently flailing and freaking out. That's what we're going to see from the media. Yeah, but what's, that's what we are seeing. It's like media. if it's a boat that's sinking and they're looking around the ocean, all de- desperately scanning the horizon. They see far off in the distance some chaos. They zoom in on it. They copy it, and then they blast it out on the airwaves over and over and over again. It's this tiny dot in the far distance in yep. one direction, but they're making it seem like mm-hmm. it's the center focus. Exactly. Well, so I'll, t- I'll tell you what we get from this. <clears throat> I mentioned this, you know, when I did my algorithmic psychosis rant, you know, mm-hmm. last week or whatever. 
that people end up growing up living in this world mm-hmm. where the only news they get is that all cops are bad, all cops are racist, and it's because, like you said, Ian, they're looking in they're they're looking in this far they're, this vast ocean and they see this one tiny dot, and it's the only thing they're showing to people. Check out this story from the Daily Mail. Minnesota fourth graders are given equity survey on race and gender and are told by teacher not to skip questions, even if they don't understand them, and not to tell their parents. Let me just show you one of the questions. Number 46. Do you currently identify yourself as female, male, transgender? Transgender people have a gender identity or gender expression that differs from their assigned sex. For example, they were born male, but now identify as female or something else. And you can choose female, male, transgender, non-binary. Why is a fourth grader being told to, first of all, out themselves to the teacher should they actually have a, you know, a, a trans or non-binary identity? Why are, why are the kids being handed this stuff on equity in this survey? Given this questions, what I think is these teachers, likely millennials, grew up getting exposed to the social media over the past 10 years, nothing but extremist content that generated rage. Their whole worldview is built on it, and now they're giving it to the kids. They are transferring that tenfold to children who are not going to have the same opportunity to have, you know, millennials didn't completely grow up on the internet. To a great Mm -hmm. deal, they did. But I know a lot of people who didn't get internet until they were late teenagers. At least you had some opportunity to use a phone mounted to the wall, you know, a touch-tone phone or something. Yeah, word. Yeah, Yeah, right. It took you 10 minutes to write one paragraph. These little kids are not only going to grow up on social media being inundated with nothing but critical race applied principles. But they're going to be getting it from their teachers as well. And you know what? I can't remember I can't remember who it was. I should I should write down the quotes, but someone on the show said parents don't care about their children at all. And it's because and the example is that they're being sent off to institutionalized learning facilities mm-hmm. where the parents don't know what they're being taught, don't know what they're being exposed to, and to a great deal don't care. Now, a lot of parents do care. Steve Bannon's bet is that come August 15th, when the parents find out what's going on, they're going to lose it. Mm. But I think it's a really good point if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Parents say, I'm going to send my kids to school and then hope for the best. Now, by all means, I understand some people may have normalized this behavior. Some people probably get really offended by me saying this, saying, Tim, you don't have kids. You know what you're talking about. But I can say this. If you are not, at the very least, actively asking your children what is going on at school, show me your assignments, mm-hmm. show me your books then I don't think you really care what strangers... Or just spending time with them, God forbid. You know? Well, yeah, but that's like, obviously, if you care about your kids, spend time with them. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, I get it. Send your kids to school. Mm. I think there's issues. I think you should homeschool. I think we should do more more of the pod learning. I was homeschooled quite a bit. I think if you were really concerned about what schools were doing to your kids, you'd, for one, be very... You'd pay a whole lot of attention to the school boards. You'd pay attention to the school curriculums, and a lot of parents do. I think a lot of parents don't. And that's probably why they're they're the more lefty Democrat voters. Don't they you don't see though, like don't you see pushback in American society right now against what you're talking about? And like this goes back to what we're saying: what, 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 critical theory well, is on. a critique, right? What do you so, what do you mean by pushback? Well, I'm saying all of the school school board meetings that are going viral, and you know all these parents and these kids and teachers speaking out, and the way in which you know yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this whole concept of critical theory is a big critical how many, race theory how many, is a big how many conversation school, right now, and how that's many, important. I agree. How many school board battles are there right now? Well, that's how the tide turns, though. It's right, like we're right, in the mist, know. you know, we're at high tide right now and it's shifting. Do you know how many school board battles there are? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm genuinely <laughs> asking if you are familiar because I, um, I don't have the answer. Um, I have, I have a, a general estimate. It's a good I, question. I mean, we run them all the time because I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a government feed so you can, it's non-commercialized so you can just run it as is. Have you got, have you guys seen any hard numbers on how many school boards are in, are, I've seen one article no, that I mentioned haven't. it was like between six and seven hundred. 
Hmm. School boards are in revolt. And how many are there in like total? There like, are 85, uh, I'm sorry, 98,271 public grade schools wow. as of but between 2013 and 2014. 98,000. So we hear these stories and we're like, the parents are fighting back. Yes. At how many schools? Out of the nearly 100,000 schools, are the, ki- the kids are all being indoctrinated. I tell you this right now. That fourth grader is what, nine years old? Yeah. Nine more years until she votes for a Marxist. If you're a teacher and you're telling the kids not to talk to their parents, you are enacting child abuse they, on that kid. That kid has a right and a duty to communicate with its parents. If you're a parent, ask your kid what they learned at school today. But that's exactly what they're doing. That we saw well, that book that where it's like, you're prosecuted. lying yeah, to me, People mom. are afraid you do not to encourage your saying, kids right? to lie to their parents. Exactly. I think parents don't care about their kids. Mm. Why would you think that? Just because of what you've been told lately? I was homeschooled. No. I, was, I was homeschooled bef- awesome. before kindergarten. And then I went to, uh, I, I went to a private Catholic school mm-hmm. until the end of fifth grade. My parents transferred me to public school for a few years. My grades slipped a little bit. Then, uh, in the first few months of high school, my parents asked what was going on. And when they saw the negative impacts, they immediately pulled us out and homeschooled us again. Because my parents genuinely, in my opinion, cared. And they sent us to school because it's, you know, school. I mean, it's what you do. But they were always very active. We would, we were going, when we were at Catholic school, we were going to mass. And then when we stopped, when, when we switched to public school, there was a lot less family interaction with, mm. with, with the school system. But the reason I think I would say parents don't care about their kids is that how often have you heard of the trope where the kid says, my teacher hates me and the mm. parent says, oh, shut up. Jeez. You've, you've heard that trope before, right? You know, it's like, no, it's not fair. My teacher hates me. Oh, come on. You're just not doing your work. The, 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 the point where parents don't trust their own children when they say I'm having problems in school. Not every parent does this. I'm not saying every single parent. I'm saying there are many parents who are like, go to school. I have no idea what they're telling you. I have no idea what you're learning. I have no idea if you're going to be a good, a good person or you're going to hold my values or have a good life. I have no idea what goes on in that building for those eight hours or whatever you're there. I bet it has to do with stress. You know how they say if, if someone goes out and works 12-hour days mm-hmm. and they're exhausted when they that's get home, sure. they have no time to talk about politics. They only care about where the food is, and that's it, the basic life. So if the parent is stressed about money and they're working a job, two jobs that can't really even pay the bills, they're going to be too stressed or have this layer of stress that's interfering with their communication with their kids. They are using school as daycare. Yes. That is not a good thing. This is a problem. I mean, but, you know... Don't you think that our like the public school system wasn't exactly like rosy before this? Yeah, it's like based around a factory. There's literally yep. like a bell that's like, yeah. oh, go to the next <laughs> class. Like, so like, what kind of? I agree. You know, is that the kind of environment that's going to create a critical thinking individual? No, but I, mean, I, I encourage think- the employees of Timcast to bring their kids to work as often mm-hmm. as they can, and they'll uh, they they can hang out and you know just you gotta have some parenting. Don't let them spill milk <laughs> on the carpet or something like that, but. I not not only was I homeschooled, but when my mom opened a, a coffee shop on the north side of Chicago, which look, you know, it, we were a, we were like a lower middle class family, and this was like very devastating for my family in terms of loans. It didn't work, and then we went, you know, my family got bankrupt and stuff like that. But when when my mom opened a coffee house, I was nine years old, and I had to go work there. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting around next to a bunch of adults talking politics. Yeah, I was getting exposed to the real world. So it's and they're treating you like an adult. They're not treating yes. you like, oh, hello, little guy. We need to cuddle you because you, right. you know. They were treating me like an adult, and to an, to an extent, they were treating me like an adult. 
Yeah. You know, it's like when you're working, they, they, they wouldn't be like, oh, it's so cute that you're trying to wash the dishes. They'd be like, can you finish the dishes? Because we've got a bunch oh, of orders coming in. We need these mugs. <laughs> you know what, though? That can go overboard because I'm just laughing as you're saying this because um, you want to know why I always super glue myself instead of getting stitches and going to the hospital? Jeez. It's because when I was like six years old, my dad was like, all right, let's go do my weekend rounds at the hospital. Oh. He's like, let's go meet with this guy. And I'll never forget. I walk into this room and the guy's like in a full um, cast, like his whole body. It was like, a, like almost Traction. like out of a cartoon. Like his arms are in a full cast. He's like all the way up to his neck. And he's like, hey, doc, how you doing? And, and that's like, hold on one sec. Rich, I got this guy, an industrial uh, air conditioner fell on him two days oh, ago. Man. He's no. like, I feel great, dog. Amazing. <laughs> two days ago. I was ago? like, I never want to go to the hospital ever. <laughs> oh, that, that was it for me. <laughs> I, I, I the, the socialization that I got growing up was very much from a lot of adults in the workplace, mm-hmm. like real world interactions. And so I look at what's happening to previous generation's kids, the current generation's kids. I mean, think about this. What do kids need to be exposed to to live good, healthy, fulfilling lives? They need to understand how to lead good, healthy, fulfilling lives. But we have kids raise each other. The parents take the kid and they put them in the school. Mm-hmm. The teacher mindlessly drones along with like, you know, half glazed over eyes going, turn the page seven. And the kids are sharing notes with each other. The kids are all raising each other, man. Mm-hmm. It's no surprise to me that we're seeing cultural decay when millennials in many ways grew up going to schools where the teachers mostly don't care about them. Their parents mostly don't know what's going on in these schools. The kids are going out to parties and teaching each other things. So yeah, you get like a Lord of the Flies type scenario. Yeah. These kids grow up, they get power, and then it's just like, who's got the conch bashing people over the head? You know, I, I grew up surrounded by people working jobs and working in businesses, and I'm, here I am running a business. You know, mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because I, I got major Lord of the Flies vibes when I was in the Chaz. <laughs> Yes. It, was like the, it was like the kids leading the kids. Yes. Exactly. And it was, and that's it why was, they don't understand what work is, where money comes from. They're just like, I, I swear, I was, I was arguing with people who are, who are pro UBI. And I gave the simple argument of, if you don't make stuff, there is no stuff. Elon and they were Musk. like, what are you talking about? Like, there's stuff in stores. And then I was like, yeah, but somebody had to make that stuff. And they're like, what do you mean? It's just there. And I was like, no way, dude. What? Are you legit telling me you don't know what <laughs> supply chain is? I actually had an argument with someone who told me the electricity was just there in the walls. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> That's actually Mark Levin. He has a great, um, I forget which book it is. He's written so many, so many books. Um, but he, he basically, he tracks the supply chain of a pencil. That's cool. Just a graphite yes, pencil. pencil yeah. And how complex, how many different sources of manufacturers, et cetera, and how hard it is to collectivize that and centrally plan it. Rather than just allow basically the marketplace to figure out how to make that supply chain work. You can't centralize it. That's why communism doesn't work. But you look at these young people, what happens? They're placed in institutionalized learning facilities by their parents without a thought. They then have a teacher who tells them what to do and when to do it. And they say, okay, the food, it's food time. They walk in the room and there's food. And then they go home. Their whole lives. And you've got people who go to school till what, 22 or 24. Their entire lives. Some of these kids never had a job in their life. They have no idea what production is. So when they get out of school, they're simply like, 
where is the authority figure telling me what to do and giving me food? So they demand the government do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're voting for right now. And if parents wanted their kids to be successful, to be able to survive, to have their values, they would be communicating with them every day. They'd be working with them. And in, and very much to a great degree, taking them out of these schools. When you get these four-year-olds who are being given these these cult surveys about creepy stuff, you shouldn't be asking kids. Or there was that one teacher who was pe- playing the video for kids about how to, you know, take care of business on your own. I, we keep it family friendly, I guess. Mm-hmm. How to yerk it? Yep. Yes. Yes. Huh. It wasn't a how-to. It was just a, this happens to occur. If oh, you you're talking these. about that cartoon? Yeah. Yeah, that it was, was creepy, really right? Weird. It was really weird. That but think about the parents. Yeah. Think about the parents who are like, I had no idea they were doing it to my kids. Now, when parents found out about it, they freaked out. Well, plus, don't you think it's also, I don't know, there's a certain corruptive factor of having the internet, like, literally here that, you know, if we're talking about Lord of the Flies, the loss of innocence that happens to a 10-year-old kid the moment that they go to the website that their buddy told them. Like, I had to download it off Napster. I was like... All right, four days later, I got this oh, yeah. like thirty oh, second, dude. you know, video of, Mid- or whatever. I stole this song that has swears in it. You know, early nineties CompuServe, and it's like this song will download in fourteen hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yes, two kilobits per second. The or you like find the box of magazines true. or whatever, oh, you know, in like your, yeah. your uncle's <laughs> closet, and like that's your that's your moment of loss of innocence in uh, South ever- America. It's still two kilobits a second in the jungle. Jeez. Not like, with Starlink when that comes nation uh, global. Time is uh, relative. Have you ever seen the Time Machine? The movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or read the book. I read the book. Yeah, you know how like he goes to the far future and there's like the one super intelligent guy and then a bunch of the like cavemen? And they're two distinct species now? Yeah. That's basically what's happening. You look at these tech elites, the foods they eat, the way they live their lives, the things they have access to, and the things regular people do, the way mm-hmm. they live their, li- li- live their lives and the way they have access to. It really just feels like, take a look at their kids. Mm-hmm. The children of the tech elites do not have phones or internet tablets they don't give it to him mm-hmm. i wonder why mark zuckerberg yeah, tapes the camera the, and microphone on his computer up yeah. he knows it's in the sausage that's right mm-hmm. it's like it's like they know soylent green is people mm. yeah. everybody else is eating it with a smile on their face they're but, like don't look at me i'm not eating that stuff i don't want encephalopathy or whatever encephalitis whatever it's called <laughs> i mean i think that's that's what can be take i mean that's what i take from the last year which is like you see the the everything that we're talking about right now it manifests itself on the streets with these sad desperate people who are out there because they're desperate and whatever side of the political spectrum they're on, they're desperate because they feel like the system has failed them and probably because it has. And nobody's addressing that. Nobody's addressing the actual – everybody says it's either systemic racism or it's cancel culture. But nobody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. This is just two different hands of the same issue here. You think maybe the uh, the government's failures will result in more people becoming libertarian? It's like like I was saying, these kids go to school, right? The system provides. Now they're out of school and they're like, where's the system to tell me what to do and give me food? And then when they realize it failed, maybe they'll be like, I better find food on my own. Well, I think back to uh, what we basically started with, which is, what did you say? You said uh, technology. technology, Culture is downstream from technology. Culture culture is downstream from. So now what's happening is like Trump definitely usurped the whole culture is uh, politics is downstream from culture because I think he kind of just like. You know, maybe there would have been a Trumpian figure elected in a couple of years if he hadn't just like literally hijacked that election. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of came to the forefront mm-hmm. earlier than it would have otherwise. But no matter what, we're still it's still culture and politics are both catching up with technology. We're just playing catch up. And the tech, Look, the tech monopolies are the ones who are capitalizing on that. Ian, Ian makes a really good point that that culture is downstream from technology. Look at what happens with the radio. You have mass communications, the printing press. 
The printing press allows for the mass dissemination of propaganda for an American revolution. You eventually, you know, you get hundreds of years of that, basically. But more knowledge is being spread. People's attitudes and their understandings change. The radio creates a new culture of radio the style of speaking. The, the, the you know, then you, you get silent films, then films. As more, it's, it's communication technology, really, that, that I think is driving culture in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The rapid spread of behaviors and information. Mm-hmm. Now we get the internet which has dramatically altered our, our culture in a lot of crazy ways. I think a lot of really bad ways, and I think a lot of really good ways. Not simple to say one or the other. How do we deal with the bad element, mm-hmm. the s- slamming, beating kids over the face with you know critical race-applied principles? How do we get rid of that bad stuff and keep the good stuff of, kid, you can Google it to figure it out for yourself. But Let's, you can't really now because Google kind of mm-hmm. controls exactly All right, you can what bing you're it. Mm-hmm. You can duck, duck, uh, you go. You can go it. to the yeah. library. I think you're better <laughs> yeah. off just going to the library. You, now they're banning point. books, dude. You can look at how corporations control the the narrative with their censorship. So that's a problem that needs to be looked at. You look at other technologies like fiat currency. Currency in general is a technology. Uh, the way the currency is utilized is a problem. That's altering culture in a massive way. Oh, yeah. Like with, with the Federal Reserve, it changed the way people could buy houses, what they could own, what they could trade. Mm-hmm. And it gave centralized authority to a small group. Mm-hmm. We have centralized electric grids. So we're, we're at the whim of the mm-hmm. government because if they want to turn the power off, we're screwed. That We have centralized water systems. They want to shut the water off. We're screwed. So these technologies are big problems. And I think if we holistically focus on all of them, we might be able to to seize the culture, but focusing on one well, of them is just going to be ramming ahead into a wall. No, but it's, it's, you got, you got to go for the, uh, the grassroots. You, you, you're not gonna be able to come out and be like, Hey, everybody, let's totally decentralize all infrastructure. It's going to be like, well, like who's working on what? But if we were like, let's figure out a way to get everybody energy independent. Let's figure out a way to give everybody communi- independent communications. No one can shut your phone off. No one can ban you. No one can silence you. How do we do that? Communications is easy for us because we're all kind of communications people, you know, like here we are on an Internet show talking. But what about energy? What about fuel or food resources? How do we get people to become decentralized, which means a lot of personal mm-hmm. responsibility? We need more polymaths among us like Ben Franklin and uh, Bo Marche right. and Thomas Jefferson. It's funny, though, because when you were describing like what the media is doing and how they're like packaging up with these click farms and stuff like that, I was thinking to like, you know, 2008, the way that they packaged up all these subprime mortgages and just sold them. <laughs> no, you're abroad. right. They're like, oh, yeah, they're triple A. And it's yep. like it's all good as long as, you know, it keep, you can keep selling the house for a little bit more. It's OK until it's, it's, all of a sudden that bubble You know, bursts. those were insurance no, 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 no. scams. The wait, wait, subprime wait, wait, yeah, mortgage yeah. scandal was an insurance scandal. They, right. they didn't want to classify it as insurance because they avoided all the litigation that would have come along with it. But they were basically – that they were buying insurance. What do you mean? Uh, uh, pro- subprime mortgage they were, they is were, an insurance. The mortgage-backed securities. A mortgage-backed, yeah, mortgage-backed yeah, those security, are exactly. insurance packages. Yeah. If – the more if they can't get paid back on the it's, mortgage, yeah. So the triple A rating, the triple A rating is the likelihood of it to default. So mm-hmm. so so, so, so they're buying right, insurance right, right. Yes, and yes. all that okay. crap. Or, so they weren't talking about insurance. talking about media. You're exactly right, Richie, because I was actually uh, working on the, a preliminary documentary about this. The ad rights assignment stuff isn't as prominent as it was as it is today, so it's not as relevant. But we could maybe do a look back. What they were doing was they were taking bunk views that were worthless. Mm-hmm. And then packaging yeah. them behind AAA rated mm-hmm. news websites. So everybody knows that, you know, this website is the gold standard of youth news. Yeah. Wow, a hundred million views when it was really getting thirty million and seventy million was garbage views from trash clickbait websites where you'd click in and you'd bounce out in five seconds. But that that was a click. And then you by contract assign the traffic rights 
to the AAA rated company who then goes to advertisers and says, we get a hundred million views mm-hmm. per month. If you want some of this, it's going to cost you 50 grand for an ad. And then the companies are like, wow, hundred million views. We'll buy it. But then the campaigns didn't work. Mm-hmm. You can't sell ads to nobody. So eventually the bubble burst. I mean, that's, that, uh, that's fraud. I mean, Facebook, uh, as if you compare it as a social media ecosystem compared to like YouTube or even Instagram, People like an average view time on Facebook is like, you know, a good one is like 20 something seconds. It's like, wow, wow, that's so good. It was over 20 seconds. Yeah. Like YouTube, what's your average view time on your show? Uh, I think it's uh, on this channel, like 28 to 30 minutes. Yeah, really exactly. Good, yeah. And so, then on my other channels, it's like 14, between 10 and 14, depending on, you know. So there are still places where people can go to like get qualitative content that they're actually paying attention to where there actually is value and that's you know there are, people are learning that there are ways of measuring that so yeah. i don't think like it's you know you know it's a bubble that's going to burst necessarily in the same I, way that i the, i think we've got a our culture is no longer focused you know it's 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 what is it doing it's like a frankenstein culture it's got one squid arm and like a peg leg yeah. and it's a half pirate monster, just ninja squid. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You have three werewolf three classes in the culture. You got the banking class, the merchant class, and then I guess you call it the lower class. Oh no, no. Like then you've the got the tech the class, then you've got the communications class, they're all then you got mer- the political class. They're all merchants. There's they're the not. bankers which are running everything. Then there's the merchants which are sucking off and basically funding and cap- capitalizing they're like business owners and things like that and then there's all the workers that's that's i, I completely disagree one of, one of the most annoying things about occupy wall street was when this guy stood up and screamed during a general assembly fracking is the problem it's the center <laughs> of everything what? and then i busted out laughing like this guy is so myopic in, in his view that he thinks fracking is the problem <laughs> i mean we can start with the federal reserve that i can give you but to, to claim that small business owners and Amazon are in the same merchant class is just completely incorrect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To claim that They're both merchants, Mark Zuckerberg, who is in the same class as a mom and pop candy shop, is is not not it is not sound. It doesn't make sense. You've got tech elites who manipulate what people can and can't do. The communications companies who can take who can shut off your cell phone, who can track your cell phone, who can give your information to the government. You've got the, the intelligence agencies, the permanent government. Then you've got the political class, the liars who get voted. There are so many different groups of people all, all colluding to extract value from the system. That's why I called it a mass Frankenstein monster of various cultures, all just shambling around, falling. It's going to fall over. What was once, you know, it's this, it's the ship of Theseus. That's the, probably the way, best way to describe it. <laughs> I'm familiar the, with Theseus. Yes. Huh. So, so uh, the, the it, it, uh, right, the ship of Theseus. I'm talking about right. I'm thinking well, of Theseus was the guy with the golden the golden fleece. The golden you know, fleece, yeah. it, the, 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 the ship is that you know how many if you take take one piece off and replace it, how long until? If that's he he slayed the Minotaur, right? I don't know anything about his boat. Is it actually. is it Theseus? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sorry, you lost me. And I'm I think kind it of is. Familiar with let's them see, too. Let's see what the commenters are yeah, saying. Let's here. find out. Our our audience is. Smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. So okay. the the ship oh, of Theseus is that. Let's say you have a boat, <laughs> and then you remove one piece of wood, and then and replace it with a brand new piece of wood. Is it still the ship of Theseus? That's how he got home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, now you replace that. it with yes. another piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Do that yeah. until mm-hmm. all of the original pieces have been removed and replaced. Is it still the original ship of Theseus? Mm-hmm. Then take the remaining pieces and rebuild the ship of Theseus. Now you have two. Which one's the real one? It's an interesting Ooh. thought experiment. Well, right? boats don't have souls. Well, so here's so, the issue. Countries do. 
Yeah. And so exactly. if from the start of the American uh, country experiment, whatever they want to call it, we had the ship of America. And one by one, we've replaced parts and put in different parts. The problem is they're not the same piece. If you had like a 12 by 4 piece of wood plank and removed it with like a 3 by 9, it's mm. not going to work properly. And now we're at the point where we have not rebuilt the ship of Theseus. We've created this weird amalgam of competing <laughs> interests that's shambling along and starting yeah. to sink. I don't know. I, I'm maybe more optimistic because I, I think back like just a generation or two ago. I mean, we literally had a global war. We had a cold war where everybody thought they were going to get nuked. And talk about the Red Scare. Talk about being scared about communism taking over America. I mean, that was literally like Bro. the threat of annihilation. It's like you one had of, to get on your of, desk and just prepare to get vaporized. You're right. You're right. Like at every turn. And one of those superpowers collapsed. Mm-hmm. And does that mean the United States could not be facing the same thing? It's, we're it's, facing collapse and then China wins is what you're saying? Maybe it's a new saying? Cold War and who says we're going to win it? But I think, you know, I like to think that America's and the Constitution is more resilient. It's like the ship that you're talking about. The Constitution ensures that we can, you know revise and and an open free and open society ensures that we can correct ourselves and the tide can ebb and flow between you know whatever you want to call it left and right libertarian where, and an authoritarian where, i love the constitution but where was the constitution <laughs> when jake gardner was being threatened and his family was being attacked and then he got choked i out? never yeah i never said it was perfect and like well, that no, no, no. situation not, is so not, devastating that's not, that's, not, that's not the fault of the constitution mm-hmm. that's why i said earlier you can have the law and then you have the culture and if the yeah. culture doesn't support the law, the law doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense or doesn't matter. So when Black Lives Matter can literally go around destroying buildings, causing $2 billion in damage and face no repercussions and gain support from all the major massive multinational corporations, the law doesn't matter, does it? But, dude, we had we had the Bill of Rights when there were still slaves. Like there was the right. Like the law so, didn't matter. But it was but, the culture. But it changed and the culture right. changed. And and generally the culture bent in the direction of actual genuine progress and in the in the in the moment where you're in between the waves you know it's really hard to see over the next one but you know if you take a much broader view of american history you realize like wow like every generation thought that they were in this dire crisis and they thought that america was doomed and yet it's so resilient and it's like i think it's partially a byproduct of like you know like you said the soul the country does have a soul and it is this i don't i think the american dream is still alive insofar as people still come here because so, for a reason. And people aren't flooding into China. Our understanding you know? of free speech is new, right? hundred years ago, free speech didn't exist the way we think it does. So the Bill of Rights almost didn't matter. You had a very moralistic, authoritarian style of culture. You can't say these things. You can't dress this way. Now we have a very, very libertarian. But the problem is a new moral authoritarianism is on the rise. Of course, the United States will exist probably in name, but who knows what it'll actually be. Right. Like like you mentioned, when the Bill of Rights was created, there were slaves. Right. Because the Bill of Rights didn't matter so much as the culture mattered. What the people were willing to tolerate and willing to do. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we can talk about making the country better and moving towards freedom, which is what I think we've typically done. The problem is now the dominating faction is anti-freedom and pro-collectivist, which means... 
We're going backwards. In fact, these people outright want to rewind the clock on civil rights. I'll give you the easiest example to understand so people can, so people can truly understand what's happening. Okay. Ibram X. Kendi, the, the anti, the guy who, the anti-racism guy. What's his real name though? I don't, I it's thought like it was even Henry. Henry something. It's Henry Rogers. Yeah, I think so. Oh, it so. is? Yeah. Shout out to Henry Rogers. Really is it Henry Rogers? It's true. Yeah, yeah who's also a guy. All right. I only know that because a guy at the Daily Caller. Henry so, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> He's like the whitest guy ever, so it's, it's funny. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, why don't people, these Republicans, you know, want schools to teach the kids to be anti-racist? Anti-racist. I love that word. Mm. Anti-racist. So smart. Because people who have no idea what's going on say, oh, I hate racism. I want to be anti-racist. But what does Kendi say? He says anti-racism, the only solution for past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only solution for present discrimination is future discrimination. Right? That's an Ibram, that's a quote from Kendi. Yep. Mm-hmm. He genuinely believes we should have racial discrimination. Now, I think discriminating on the basis of race is evil. Don't you? I think most people will agree with that in America. Though. Okay. So let's replace discrimination with evil. So Kendi's statement is, the only solution to past evil is present evil. And the only solution to present evil is future evil. Why would I want someone who is evil to have any power at all? Well, discrimination is not evil. It can be used in an evil way, but you have to discriminate. If you have a hot rock and a cold rock, you know that you don't want to pick up the hot rock. You have to discriminate between the rocks as to which one is safe to touch. So I'm I'm obviously not being... 100% 100% absolute. I am making a, a point using hyperbole and exaggerating. Clearly, there are instances where general discrimination doesn't mean discriminating against human beings. You know? But even then, but that's you want, like, argument. if one guy's super tall and one guy's super short and you need someone to pick the, the apples up there, you gotta, you gotta hire the tall guy. Which is, right, right, right. So, I, I think the issue with, like, that frame of thinking is most people probably understand my point, but Arguing the semantics of it doesn't actually yeah, I add don't, anything to it. I don't think there's a lot of situations where discriminating on race has any value. I, can you think of one? Medical? Uh, yeah. Sickle cell anemia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are times when you need right. to discriminate based to. on I'm race not, for people's safety. What I'm saying is that Ibram Kendi's view is that we should form policies that affect people's lives and access to civil rights based on their race. When my view is mostly a negative rights aspect of we should not impose restrictions based on their race so they can always enjoy full civil rights. Now, of course, the left argues, but they're not being allowed full civil rights because of racism. And I'm like, private actors do private things and they're bad people. The system has already been healing from this for 50, was it 56, 57 years? Mm. They, 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 they complain about, you know, these, these, uh, uh, Redlining and blockbusting, and I'm like, yes, we have been solving for that. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. We've passed the laws. Now we're trying to solve that problem. But you are now bringing us back. You're saying you are going to bring back racial discrimination. I'm like, you're making things worse. But don't you think? Okay, but you know, don't you think that the the same tide that ebbed and flowed in order to allow for the civil rights movement? And I'm not drawing the same parallel. I'm just speaking in terms of cultural shifts. You know. The mainstream, the, the people who are "quote unquote" revolutionaries trying to change the system, actually able to create, you know, progress, "quote unquote." And obviously, that's a charged term. But don't you think that most people don't think in America don't think like Ibram X. Kendi, and it's just that everybody's scared to speak up right now, right? Because they have a fear of, you know, that their digital self being maligned to the point where their real self is, you know, excommunicated they, they are, from they society. Are, they are more scared of being called a racist than of yes. their children being indoctrinated into a moralistic authoritarian yes. cult. I think that's, I think that's generally right. 
but it's still America, and it's not. Did the people in the Soviet, Soviet Union? Russia. Did the no, but the Soviet Union sucked. It was a shit system, and America's the best system that's ever made, flawed as it may be. And sorry that I, I just no, 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 hold on. That, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You're right about that, it. That, that, that point's <laughs> completely irrelevant. The Soviet Union was garbage, and the people hated it, and it, it stood and for a hundred years. Yes, the United system, the United States system, is an amazing system, but people still are doing nothing to stop the central planners and the communists from seizing power. So. Hey, American Marxism, Mark Levin's book sold 500,000 copies in like a week. Yeah, there's, and we you, see a lot of Amazon number ones. 800 school boards are yes. up in arms about it. This show focuses Nin- on it. There's 98,000 schools, bro. Yeah, but only, you only need 5,000 of them then. You only need 5% of them. Yes, to step I, up. I think I, I kind of agree in that insofar as like, it only takes a few people to stand up to a corrupt system like Solzhenitsyn, who wrote the Gulag Archipelago and was able to bring the whole system down based upon one man who stood up and literally how the hell he, he memorized the whole thing. Now I'm going to, now, now like I'm going to imagine incredible per, it only takes one of those incredible people. That's now I'm going to imagine, that, now, now that I'm going to imagine your Antifa saying the exact same verbatim quote <laughs> right now. And that means it's a coin toss. I don't think it's a coin toss because I, I don't think ultimately it doesn't matter what the ideology is behind it. It's like common sense is common sense. And, and in they're the, saying the same thing. Yeah. And if people are scared to speak up and talk about what they believe and they're willing to cower, then you've got one violent faction who's been given carte blanche because the establishment rarely, if ever, says anything bad about them. And another faction that is being persecuted and prosecuted to a, a growing and, and more extreme degree. So you're right. You know, what, what's what's the saying from uh, what's that woman? You know, let never be said that a small group of determined people have, you know, couldn't change history. Indeed, it's the only thing they ever have. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But that's also true of your political opponents. You know, history is written by the victors. And you look at what happens in, you know, throughout history with civil wars and, and, and conquest. And the people who are able to win and write the books down and spread those ideas are the ones who win. Right now, you have a growing faction of extremist, critical race theorists and their critical race applied principles. And you have a much smaller group of people who are willing to actually stand up and challenge it. There are a lot of people willing to challenge it. There are more people by the day. But there's also more Antifa people. It was it was eight percent progressive according to the Hidden Tribes report three years ago. The the last poll I checked, it was like ten ten or eleven percent. They've grown. They've grown in power for a few reasons. They're getting more young people. Like I mentioned, those fourth graders, nine more years, and you will have fully fledged adult Marxists who believe all that stuff. And it's their whole that, whole life. That's if we don't do anything about it. Yeah, I, I mean I would look to like Europe or, or Canada and like you know, Jordan Peterson being a good example of like we were talking about one person standing up. I mean, he was the only guy in the entire education system uh, in Canada who was like, whoa, 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 you're compelling our speech and you want to like make it criminal for me not to, you know, say if I make him whatever. If you say the wrong pronoun, I think it was basically you, you could be criminal. And if you don't pay your fine, you can go to jail. Yeah. And so he stood up against it and look at what happened. You know, there was this like global support that came behind him solely because he was that one guy willing to stand up. And, and that's in like much more, you know, I think less free societies than we live in. So I think the tide's shifting, dude. I, I feel good about this. Sure, sure. What I'm saying is in nine years, we will have that, that fourth grader, a, a fully fledged Marxist. Obviously, it's if we do nothing. The point is we're here trying to do something. People mm-hmm. need to pay attention. They need to understand what, what it means to get involved. They need to understand what it means to speak up at their workplace Challenge these systems, refuse to support them. If, you know, a company wants to get woke, they can go broke. 
one guy messaged me and he's like, I, I listen to the show every night with my two daughters. One's 10 and one's 13. And the 10 year old asked them something. They were all listening to it in the car and the 10 year old asked something. And the 13 year old was like, it doesn't matter. The government's going to fall apart yeah. anyway. Like, we're seeding <laughs> all, these thoughts yeah. into kids. So we got to be <laughs> careful optimism and injected in conscious right, yeah. about what we say, what we want to happen and how we frame things. I don't think personally that there are more. I don't think this stupid Antifa think, racist movement is growing. I think that it showed its head. It's obviously deranged. Most people see that. You know what, Ian? You're right. And my biggest fear is that, you know, if, if, if we don't do something, then, then uh, the libertarians are going to take over and Dave Smith will become president. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Worst case terrible. scenario. We're seeding these ideas. Oh, no. <laughs> if we don't do anything. The Mises gonna... caucus and the libertarian party are going <laughs> to yeah. are gonna take over. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be great. You're right. Yeah. The stakes are high, though. And I, I agree that it's not it's nothing that's it's not a trivial thing. And it's not something that people just should just say, oh, you know, it's just happening in, you know, blue check Twitter zone, because um, I think, you know, all of us are kind of the byproduct of I don't know. How old are you? I'm like 42. You're 42. <laughs> That's great, right? <laughs> <laughs> what the? Are you kidding Welcome me? Welcome to the 70s. Oh, How did you, oh. you think he was? <laughs> I don't know. 36? Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm an old man. man. <laughs> but, well, growing up, do you, because I think, you know, being born in 89, we're about the same age. Like, I was definitely part of the generation of everybody gets a trophy. That's mm, for sure. Yeah, me too. And like, I don't know. No, I wasn't. You were like a rub your rub yeah, some dirt like, on. Get a job kid. when you're 12. Yeah. Yeah. We're not paying you allowance anymore. <laughs> Go out there. You know, it was one died, of the, walk a dog. <laughs> one of the worst feelings I ever had. I remember I was in third grade, and they were doing this like thing at my school where there was like they had a, there was like an after school program thing. Like parents were there, and they were asking trivia questions, and I was just a little smart kid, right? So I would raise my hand, but the teacher would never call on me. And so then I started crying because I didn't get a chance to actually Aww. answer the question and win the prize. So I was just given one. And I was like, that was like the most brutal thing ever. It felt miserable. <laughs> I was like, I don't want it. I, I must have. I, I wanted to answer the question. I missed it by like, by like six years or something. Yeah. I think the internet, I don't know what, what brought that on that everybody gets a trophy. It's, network. it's a, well, I think it's actually what Tim was talking about earlier, which is that the people who, uh, basically occupied the positions of, you know, being our teachers, were the children of that that kind of counterculture movement of the late 60s. You know, they're basically hippies. They're, they're the ones who went into humanities to teach your kids English and whatever. Commies. You, you know, <laughs> teach your kids how to how to critically think. But we still, you know, we still read, like, uh, Tom Sawyer and stuff. Yeah. Like, we still had to contend with those difficult topics. and, and That's right. And we still got to contend with these super chats. That's oh, true. all right. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah we're going to go to super chats. Someone's going to call me out about saying Trump did cocaine with strippers. I'm sorry. I don't know that he ever did that. I was just, I've just heard that he was a party Dude, boy. If someone came to me and said, would you like to place a bet to, as to whether or not Trump did cocaine with a bunch of hookers? I'd be like, I will take that. I will bet. take I will that. Take bet. Take like, that how much bet. can I give you all of my money? <laughs> yes. Like, I do. to one odds. So, uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, go to timcast.com. I'm going to shout out the Legima Thigian again, Jafar Cree, Ian Cree. Yeah, because we I was I, I watched Star. Uh, someone someone super chatted us because I was like Star Trek's so great, and they were like watch Stargate, and I was like okay. Oh, now all the Star Trek references are Stargate references, so mm-hmm. that's that's how the show I'm goes. Start watching Stargate. Yeah, it's you know. good. It's a good show. And then someone said to watch um, Farscape. Is that what they? What I haven't seen it yet. Is. I don't know. A lot of portal uh, sliders, Lots quantum leap. Uh, sliders, isn't <laughs> Quantum leap, though. Oh, boy. Great uh, all right. Trip sucks says, Richie, you inspire me. I just thought you should know how loved and valued you truly are. Aw. Wow. Thank you. That Here's, makes it all worth it. This is a really, this is a really, really great does. shit right here. 
Pierce Worsig says, Tim, I work in a grocery store and I've been noticing that a lot of the new products are coming in as smaller packages. Sizes like family size or large size are an ounce or two smaller than the product already on the shelf. I noticed that. Interesting. Hmm. I went, I went shopping the other day and the family size, uh, uh, box of cereal was like a normal box yeah. of cereal. It was the weirdest thing. And I was like, this is not family. This is tiny. Same price. <laughs> Same price. That's inflation. Mm. Yes. Another kind of inflation. Because they know people aren't going to be able to pay more. They reduce but what the you get. But the average size of the family in America has shrunk. And probably the reason why we're bigger than it should our be. population is increasing is because of immigration. Bottles are getting smaller. <laughs> there was they're like sixty four ounce are now fifty nine ounce. Wow, they're shrinking everything. Yeah, and you, what, one of the one of the best things I love this when they keep the box the exact same size, oh. but the stuff inside is smaller. Oh, Rude. This is great. Chips too. <laughs> yep. As long as my quarter pounder remains a quarter pound. Yeah, that's oh, like, like and a double quarter currency. pounder is a half pound. By the way. <laughs> McCarthy eighty six says the nineteen ninety four Stargate movie was better than SG one series. Changed my mind. They're different. They're just different. You know, Stargate SG one Spader that has was a name. ton. Yeah, I like the movie. James Spader. You know? Good job, James. All right, let's see. Chris Blank Production says Tim to address your earlier video about the stages of genocide. We've voluntarily done stage seven by anyone not okay with what's happened to the cities fleeing the red states, putting them all in one place. Well, they're they're not all in one place. That's the that's the us versus them separation. So that's why I don't think it's right when people are like, we're so close to genocide. I'm like, we're close to a balkanization or a civil conflict. But what does close even really mean? You know, are we going to like crop dust it and then pull out at the last minute and then everything calms down? Maybe I got to be honest. I I can look, you know, uh, uh, I can I I can look at 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 a problem and try and come up with a solution. I can look at something and saying, here, 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 here are what I think are some possibilities. And I can do really well at Magic the Gathering when I'm holding the cards in my hand and I can make some predictions about what's going to happen, what I can do. I look at the system and the pieces we had, we're given. The cards were dealt in this culture war. And I'm like, you explain to me how you're going to get a MAGA hat wearing Trump supporter who's, you know, protesting masks, vaccines, and, def- and, and he's protesting in defense of the January 6th riders. That person, and you're going to get the pink hat wearing, you know, Twitterati anti-gun person to shake hands and agree to calm down. That'd be cool. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. I, I don't see that. Um, I see that getting yet. worse. The night I is mean, darkest before dawn. That's true. That's true. Which means we might crop dust it. We don't know where the Dude, bottom is going to well, be. Well, let's, how about this? I was at the Cuban protest today in front of the White House and I didn't want to give it away when we were talking before, but yeah. guess what happened? Everybody was out there protesting, Libertad, Libertad, right? The Secret Service comes in, they cleared out Lafayette Square, and there was no pepper spray whatsoever, and everybody was completely peaceful, and it, and I was like, waiting for it, I was like, no, here we go again, just like the Jackson <laughs> statue, and they tried to, nothing. But these were so, more libertarian protesters, yelling freedom? Um, were they leftists who supported Joe Biden? You know, it, it was. they were very angry, though. Mm. They, there was a lot of passion there. And I felt like they were out there feeling like their cousins and stuff were existentially threatened by, um, you know, the situation in Cuba. So it wasn't like they didn't care and it wasn't like they, you know, had some particular political ideology. It was just like, I don't know. They were just. Yeah, it's not against the American government in any way. These these. Well, they're pro. Yeah. I are like help Cuba help. And actually, the only real like situation where things got very like. you know, almost to a boiling point was actually there were like two or three Code Pink protesters who were arguing in favor in favor of uh, basically breaking the blockade, mm. which is like 
you know, basically the giving the regime a break. Yeah. Right. So the Cuban the Cuban freedom protesters were like, no, you got like saying the worst things. I put it on Twitter, yeah. like saying very, very bad things in Spanish to these people. And it was because, you know, they wanted to alleviate to break. It was just kind of a little bit counterintuitive. And, and I was like, wait a second. Oh, that I guess that makes sense because that's giving the regime a break mm. and basically, you know, giving them more. Yeah. Weird let's, situation. Let's, when we're, you we're read more super chats. when you when you blockade a government from getting goods but then you end up screwing the populace or when you give the government goods and they hoard them away from the populace like it's a lose-lose how do you it's kind of like us hoarding away from the super chat right now so tim sorry yeah, tim, sorry guy that was coming next i had to get it's, it's that kinda, out it's kind of like we are not responsible for the well-being of another country just because we say we're not going to trade with you doesn't make it our fault it's mm. the stupidest communist thing i've ever heard but let's read some more woodworking medic says i grew up in omaha and the suicide story makes me so mad Omaha was rated the most dangerous place to be black in the U.S. in 2014. That was due to black-on-black crime from gang violence. People just don't understand how messed up the world is getting. Yeah, man. Dude, that story is so heartbreaking. Martin Lamontagne says, Lamontagne, how do you pronounce Lamontagne. that? Lamontagne. The term you're looking for is ocklocracy. Oc- huh, what? Ocklocracy. Oh, that mean? Rule by the mobs. I'm, I'm Whoa. All right, let's see. Robert Neal says some parallels to Freedom Phone and the original Tesla Roadster. Freedom Phone is a rebadged Chinese phone the same way the Tesla was just a Lotus Elise with electric motors. Bright future for Freedom Phone. Cool. Maybe. I mean, if you don't want to deal with learning how to hack a phone, and it's not particularly difficult, honestly, to like flash a new operating system on your phone or ROM, and you can get graphene and stuff, but most people don't know how Teslas to do that. Teslas are lame. I'm sorry, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, they're no fun. Why? Because go karts are fun, and like when you stomp on something, it makes a loud noise, and you're like, <laughs> "We got, we got these gears. electric bikes." Everyone's like, "Oh, they're, they're so, so fast!" I'm like, "I don't care. I want to like loud. shift gears yeah. and like burn rubber and like e brake." Needs to be manual. It's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. I agree. Give me go kart or give me death. <laughs> Thank you. Chubby Cobold Gaming says, "Wow, the Seattle mayor was just on the news saying they need more police." Yep. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore was saying that I think too. Alex Thunderpaw says, you're naive. We're at step seven. And that's why the Biden administration is going after patriots now. Uh, has the Biden administration forced Trump supporters to wear hats or shirts or badges or done anything like that? No. So that's two. They do it on their own. Trump supporters wear hats on right, their right. own. Right. But they're saying, are people being forced to identify themselves? Are they saying, like, this group of patriots must, oh, you want to go to the movie theater? Are you a Trump supporter? You got to wear the badge. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is you're, you have anonymity in your voting on purpose per the U.S. law because of that. But you know what, though? Again, like, just real quick, uh, remember there was that whole narrative that it's like, oh, the only people who are refusing the vaccine are, like, white Trump supporters? That died out because it wasn't true. And because, actually, the vaccination, like, the vaccination rates in minority communities, like, turned out to be lower like really so bad. it was you know hispanics were lower than white and blacks were lower than hispanics and so then that narrative just died on the vine because guess what like you could a narrative can only last for so long before you know it, we, it yeah. becomes like oh no okay that's not the case let's yeah. move on then makeshift electric this is a really important one guys ian looks like wayne and garth had a baby that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going for. It's cultivating. Agree, uh, Andreas, yeah. Andreas, uh, if you guys follow the vlogs, you've seen him put on a video on YouTube and there's like a guy walking up to a laundromat and I was like, Oh, it's Ian. And he's like, No, that's, that's someone else. And I was like, it, it, it just looks like Ian. And then he was like, No, it's a different guy. And I was like, 
So you were friends with the guy who was like this lanky glasses dude with long hair. And then you like traded him in for like an Ian as like an upgrade. That's my MO, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Poker Soldier says, Tim, please stop calling them liberals. They are communists. The left are communists. The right are capitalists. North are authoritarian. South are libertarians. It's time we address them as such. Liberals uh, typically refers to like a traditional establishment Democrat type. Leftists are socialist or communist. But left and right, what do they mean? Left is a reference to pro-revolution. Right is a reference to not for the revolution. But then right is, is, is supposed to be like economic freedom and left is economic cooperation. And then authoritarian economic cooperation is mandated and libertarian is requested. It's hard to maintain. And then free market capitalism. But what is authoritarian right? Authoritarian free market capitalism? It makes no sense. Hmm. None of it makes sense. <laughs> I think the Occupy Wall Street people was the revolution and still is. And then the, this aberration is the betrayal of the revolution. Like Castro was the betrayal of the Cuban hmm. revolution. Yes. Maybe so. Dragon Lady says, The Secret Service was originally established in 1865 to fight counterfeiting. It wasn't until the forced death of President McKinley that they took on the duty of protecting the president as well. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. Some people are saying that the list isn't patriots versus the left. It's mm -hmm. vax versus unvax, which um, still... Maybe? Well, that was that was my point is that like there was supposed to be a narrative that was only Trump supporters, but there is like crossover between like this far left people who are skeptical of the government, skeptical of the WHO, yeah. the CDC. So I, you're right though. It's like where's your where's your pass? Where's your passport? Yeah. Do you have Do you have your passport? I don't. You didn't bring it with you? No, it's downstairs. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, got it. All right. Oh, Hayden gosh. said, not to be too right far here. out there, but there is a saying. If you're not liberal and young, you don't have a heart. If you're not conservative as you're, conservative as you're older, you don't have a brain. Swap out lib and con for some more relevant terms the left doesn't think. I've always heard it as, if you're not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. If you're not conservative when you're older, you have no head. Yep. Doobie McNasty says, SLC Punk was one of my favorite movies in my teen years. Devin Sawa on that acid trip was awesome. And the culmination at the end was unreal. Yeah, man. Surreal. I feel bad for Bob. Yeah. It was a bummer. Blaze88 says, it's libertarian versus authoritarian. What is the ratio of left versus right that are medicated? It's fair to say Big Pharma has already drugged up enough people to sway the balance. Or, uh, we know is how it that guy likes to get drugged up. Blaze. Have you seen the what charts? His name? Blaze, what? Blaze. Yeah. Hey, hey, if it comes out of the Blaze. ground, Blaze. Have you uh, have you seen <laughs> the chart though, showing that very left tend to have very high rates of mental illness? Any extreme, I would think. Yeah, would. It reminds me, me of the Joker, right? In in the Dark Knight, when Harvey Dent kidnaps the the the, the guy posing as a cop, and he's like, "Where is he? Where's the Joker?" And then Batman grabs the coin and he's like, "You think you're going to get anything from him?" He's a schizophrenic from from Arkham Asylum. The Joker preys on people like that, and I'm like, Joker a Democrat? Mm. You know, like, but I'm, I, you, it's, a, it's like a joke, right? But there there is data. I mean, Zach, I think it was Zach Goldberger posted this. Yeah, people who, uh, who identify as very very liberal or liberal have extremely high rates of mental illness relative to any other group. Yeah. Well, do you think that it has to do with like? Well, I think conservative like right had the low conservative had the lowest. Well, I would say like at least 
today, I don't know, just generally speaking, liberals, you know, have an idea that they need to fix the world and conservatives have more of a concern with their communities and their families, right? Isn't that like, I think that's a, a fair generalization. So I, I mean, it, that's just been exacerbated, I think, as, you know, things have diverged more and more, which is like, we need to fix this broken system and that's all that matters. And, and meanwhile, you know, back at home, like conservatives are like, Hey, I'm good. Yeah. I don't know. I take issue with that mental illness phrase, the phrase mental yeah. illness, because if you're, if you're sane in an insane society, they call you crazy. And a lot of these people are, are justifiably enraged at about what the system being bought out by the Federal Reserve to start. Okay. Ian, you got to stop with that because the left has never brought up the Federal Reserve. <laughs> you think the reason they're out, out protesting is, is not because they're poor. I mean, that's the reason they're out is because they don't dude. have money. They, the lockdowns destroy no, people's livelihoods. Kids, they went crazy. Yeah, think about like, uh, Keanu yeah, Reeves and, and Bodie and Patrick Swayze, you know, that was the perfect dialectic right there, which See, is Ian, like, that's you, true. They're, they're both you, crazy you're, in their own you're way. You're the guy that occupies sure. screaming about fracking. They're virtue signaling for the other people. Yeah. We know there's problems, but none of these people are protesting money. They're protesting race. Well, they're protesting economic disparity and then race is the mask. Well, they're protesting. The race thing has been added on top of it. But they're not even talking about money in many circumstances. They're talking about privilege. Yeah, you're getting a, a, they're a claiming, rage. They're a claiming ra- that Oprah Winfrey is oppressed and the homeless mm-hmm. white veteran is the oppressor. That's not about no, money, that's dude. That's a co-opt of the, of the root. I think the root comes from the rage of the, the Occupy rage. It's still you're, there. Well, you're pay attention making, to the race so that you don't realize that you know, you got no money. There are a lot of leftists who are angry with the billionaires. You know, and that's why Bernie happened. But now they're totally distracted. I mean, they're supporting Big Pharma. They're getting tattoos of, like, Pfizer on their arm. <laughs> the it's Fauci not... bobbleheads. Yeah, come sure. on. And they're, the Fauci pizza. But it's I, like, they don't care about I, the Fed. I think the Fauci's root name is... in vain. Can you... YouTube's going to cut this feed, man. Oh, yeah. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah, we should go easy yeah. on Anthony. Just don't use the Tony. F word like that. <laughs> all right, all right. Turk Longwell says, look at Tim. With the good movie references tonight, Southland Tales, SLC Punk, and yes. Donnie Darko. Have you seen one. Dark City or Edge of Tomorrow? F Biden. Edge of Tomorrow is awesome. I need to see dope. Dark City. I liked F Biden there at the end. Just, yeah. just Flip it in <laughs> We need to make that movie. No, I haven't seen any of those. I got to see Dark City. Uh, I haven't seen it, but uh, I was looking at it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it tonight. FOMO says, please don't misstate the pro-life stance. The whole point is that we believe it's a separate life. It's not the mother's body, but a baby that dies. Right. That's the point. So when the conservatives are like, my body, my choice, and the liberals laugh and say, <laughs> now do uh, abortion, I'm like, what's the difference? Like, there's no there's no contradiction there. The conservatives think the baby's body is separate from the mother, so the mother can't make the choice for the baby. Like, what are you saying? The left doesn't understand any of these concepts. They don't actually engage in these debates. They don't understand these high-level ideas. They don't talk to conservatives, and they don't understand them. What are you they saying exactly? What's the argument you're saying just there? Pro-life people yeah. believe the baby is alive and the mother is alive. And the mother doesn't have a right to choose for the baby to die. When it comes to vaccines, the conservatives are saying, my body, my choice, which is a slogan of the pro-choice movement, saying, you can't tell me what to do with my body. The left then tells conservatives, you're contradicting yourself because you're pro-life. Because the left doesn't understand mm-hmm. that babies are their own bodies. It's, yeah, it's I at saw, conception. It's a life at conception. I, I saw the stupidest thing ever. I mean, and it was as viral on Reddit. And Reddit is just loaded with really dumb young people who never thought about this stuff. Hmm. And it was like a guy saying, I can de- debunk pro-life in two seconds. Let's say you're at a fertility clinic. Oh, Forget no. why you're in the fertility clinic, no. but just for the sake of argument. And there's a vial with a thousand viable embryos. Is it on fire? And a, fi- can you- and a fire breaks out. And there is a child. 
and you can only choose one room to go in to save either the vial of embryos or the baby, what do you save? It happens every time you know exactly who they're going to save. And it's like, that proves the pro-life is wrong. And, he, and then he's like, and you know, they'll never answer the question honestly. And I'm like, they'll save the child. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, they'll save, save the child. Save the human, and then the embryos when come it, second, right? When it comes to abortion, they're, 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 they're not talking about, like, there's two babies in the womb and only one can be saved. And you have to make a hard choice. It's like, potentiality. When, 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 when there's a living human child and embryos, clearly they're going to prioritize the child. It's still not contradictory because they don't understand what the conservative argument is. They don't want to. I just think they want to go on TV and be told they, they're good people and they feel good about it. It's like, can I, am I a good person today? Yes, you're a good person. I mean, the, if, I, if I, I tweet empty platitudes, we'll give you a treat. I think the, the abortion conversation is the one perhaps that's the, that's the most divergent because like, for example, being from the Northeast, like do, do not bring up abortion in any in the Northeast, but yeah, don't just don't because in like Thanksgiving it's dinner, just, do not bring that up. Oh, I've made that mistake. And it's not even as you know, it's not even me saying like, Oh, you know, I think that, you know, anybody who uses the plan B pill is goes to hell. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just like even just having a conversation that even introduces what about the third trimester? What about the second trimester? You know, even just asking that question, you know, what about babies being viable outside of the womb now because of technology, you know, at six, you know, six months or you know, whatever. Plastic bags. Yeah. What about and the idea that the the M, the baby is is a created a conception but you still have the right to kill it? Well, according to Ralph Northam, you just got to make them feel nice after they come out of the womb. Remember he said that on the radio show? Ralph mm-hmm. Northam, the governor who's, of Virginia. Who, who's killing it? I don't know. The doctor or whatever. See, the challenge I have with it is... Pill, what's the health it? of the mother? Is it, that's, a, that's commonly, you know, that's, that's a huge, I think, kind of moral obstacle for the pro-life argument, which is like, you know, in situations where there's like rape, for example, or where the mother's life is threatened by the... Um, you know, by maintaining that baby as viable or fetus or whatever you want to call it at that stage, that's that's a slippery slope. What does rape you choose have to do the with mother? It? Well, because rape has to do with whether or not the mother chose for you know made a made a a decision for that baby to even be conceived in the first place. And that's the libertarian challenge that I have, which puts me in the in libertarian pro choice camp, which is morally difficult. To put yes, it mildly. exactly, exactly. Because mandating that the government say your body is now occupied and you have no right to your your personal autonomy is like a challenging position. Mm-hmm. You know, the argument, I guess, from the conservatives is you would kill the baby by removing it. And I'm like, that's true. But who gives that other entity a right to my body? Right. Because the, the mom, if she's got a baby and they say it's illegal to get an abortion, the mom <clears throat> could just start drinking really heavily, destroy the embryo and have it abort. Uh, the, the, the issue or, I or, have is... Or stress out or, or jump on the ground. I mean, you can do crazy things. I'm very, very obviously in the libertarian camp on this one. And uh, there's different libertarian opinions, obviously. But then you have the liberal, modern, progressive opinion of everyone should get abortions because babies don't matter and they're not alive and embryos aren't real. That was the point of that, you know, bringing up the tweet was the guy viewed embryos as not being living things. And I'm like, they are, but there's a literal human child. And if you're like doing a trolley problem or something or like Spider-Man's got to save Mary Jane or a school busload of kids. Sure. That's totally different from whether or not someone should get an abortion and that's killing a baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to get into a whole debate on that one though. We got to read some more super chats. 
Doobie McNasty says Richie is awesome. <laughs> he has the type of personal constitution to run up, so, run up to someone, uh, run up on someone with a rifle and try to save the life of a person who got shot, regardless of the context. That's called heroism. There you go. Thanks, Doobie man. Appreciate it. All right, let's see. Nick S says had to cut a lefty friend of five plus years out of my life. They really do take you literally, not seriously. Sad in Trump voice. I like you put the parentheses in Trump voice. Sad country. You, whenever you say country, you got to drop the tone. Country. country. In this country. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. <laughs> Christopher Mars. Antifa. Sorry. All right. Christopher Mars says, I was in public school till high school, force-fed and prescribed experimental medication, some of which would give me physical pain and was told to ignore it. I was most definitely not the only one. I've met a lot of people who've been put through the same. Isn't that annoying when they're like, this is how, this is how it's supposed to be. And you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right for me. And they're like, no, but this is how it is. You're yeah. like, you know, go your own route. Do what feels right for you. Well, that's, that's an interesting philosophical question too, because it's like, there's like the paternalistic model of, of medical, the medical profession, which is like basically the doctor's like, you need to do this or you're going to hurt yourself. Or kind of the more, you know, we're having a conversation and we come to the best decision together. Like, I feel like that's the same thing with the government that we're talking about right now. It's like, does government just say, nope, this is what's best for you. Get the vaccine now and or get the abortion or whatever. Or do they say, it, it, you know, it breaks down into so many aspects of life. Like my, even my shooting stance, I, I was taking my own shooting stance that felt natural for me. Luke was helping me and he was like repositioning me. Mm -hmm. And I think like I'm just not normal. I do things differently. <laughs> I and I do them better often because I do them differently. So sometimes, you know, you want to break the mold, especially when when I see kids getting put on psych. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other that's conversation. Right. yeah. For T. Sure. Home says, listening to Ian's argument against piracy last Friday made my mushroom trip difficult. Take more psilocybin. That Ian, is awesome, dude. What do you think, Richie? About um, this is a big conversation. Piracy. So if you write a song. Mm -hmm. And then sell it on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And then I download it, but then copy it and give it away to everybody mm -hmm. for free. Is that theft? Um, are you stealing the guy who's copying? No, no, no. Is, 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 is the, are you selling it or are you list, just listening to it every, yourself? So everyone's downloading it to listen to it for free. We'll put it but does everybody Wait, just listen to it personally? You're, you're selling a song. And then instead of downloading it, people all just start downloading it from a torrent site for free. Is that theft? I mean, I think the people who can pay for it are going to pay for it because they value the artist. And I think that'll, that'll be enough. It has been enough. Musicians are rich. That's enough, not true. You know? at all. No, I mean like most, the ones most are, musicians make. But are, like are the musicians that aren't making money? Is it because of piracy that they're not making money, or is so, it because the record companies decide who who are the anointed this, ones? The, are? the problem has been solved with streaming services. Yeah. But for a while, yeah, the uh, uh, there was a big hit to a lot of smaller bands' income because huh. of piracy. Yeah, because I always was under the impression that like you know during the Napster days, etc., it was like you know Metallica. Who was losing a couple million bucks? Well, yeah, but if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you, if your band is making like two hundred grand a year, it's five people, mm -hmm. and you've got to split that up amongst five people, so everyone's getting kind of like forty grand, or maybe you're getting a little bit more, they're getting a little less, and then all of a sudden, you, you're, you the little album sales you did have all drop because people just put everything on torrent sites. Now. Mm -hmm. Your band breaks up. You can't afford. It's a hobby now. Radiohead put their album, what was it, Hail to the Thief, up for free or pay what you want. It pay was their highest grossing album of all time. Exactly. Yep. The pay what People you are model. willing to pay. I mean, if it's good and it's art or news content or. That's not the question, though. Is it, is it theft? If you are saying, I am selling this, it costs a dollar. And then I go, I'm just going to download it for free. Um, can I pass <laughs> on that question? 
Can I pass? Can yeah. I pass? You don't have to answer a question I, the way I someone wants theft. you to. Ian said it's not theft. I'm going to pass. <laughs> the reason I say it's different than theft because when you steal, um, colli- colloquially, it's I take it away from you and you don't have it anymore. But if I copy yeah. your thing, it's different than stealing it. Kind, kind of the, like if you break into an office and steal top secret plans or intellectual property, it's not really theft. Right. right. If you make a copy of someone's data, it's yeah, different yeah, yeah. than taking you it away from you, them. You won't be charged with, with, with theft of intellectual property if you sneak into a laboratory mm-hmm. and take photographs of it. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, yeah. And then if you sell it to a foreign co- government, that's also not illegal. That's not stealing. Well, what even about, though, like, even weird, though it literally is. What about like Weird Al Yankovic? You don't, don't right, want to sell it. Is Weird Al Yankovic theft? It's, it's, free, it's, it's fair use, parody and satire. Oh, fair use. I thought it was just... Like there are a lot of people of that are, you know, you know what happened? R- Radiohead was able to give away their music for free because they were super rich. Yeah. And so they were like, let's, let's they just tell people risk. to pay whatever they want. And then small businesses, people seem to think that the music, the music industry and the movie industry is all blockbusters. As if the only movies that ever get made are big hundred million dollar ventures from Disney. When in reality, 99% of movies are small, low budget films made by well, small. Yeah. Imp- there's definitely an irony going on in media where not an irony, but I guess. It's just, it seems counterintuitive, which is that as the cost per minute of production of content is going way down, like a camera that can produce HD video is like one one hundredth the cost it was 10 years ago. It's actually in Hollywood, it's really being, becoming vertically integrated. You know, the Netflixes and all the big studios are, it basically has to be marketed globally, like to China, to all these massive streaming audiences and the niche little independent movies are actually disappearing right so i've i've known people who worked in the movie industry i know people went to college for movies and i know what movie production is actually like it's a large and massive industry of low budget small business medium-sized businesses and the massive multinational corporations that do disney mm-hmm. but just because disney is like oh no we lost a hundred million off of our, bi- our expected billion and everyone goes who cares piracy isn't theft and then my friend goes i lost my job today and i'm like why what happened Everybody pirated the movie we made. We couldn't make any our money, our money yeah, back. Yeah, but that's, they don't know that. That's the excuse. No, they do. No, that's you, you, the excuse. You, you, my, my, when my a company makes crappy content. Job. My friend lost their I job. I don't care about that. You when don't a, care about my friend and losing their job well, because you're a thief. Fine, whatever. If, thief. if someone makes crappy content and then they complain that it's the pirates that made it so they weren't able to sell their product, you know, wake up. You're, you had a crap product. You think you that everyone that was stealing their content because it was bad? They were downloading it and checking it out and they thought it sucked and it did suck. So it didn't sell. Why would they download it if it sucked? Because they wanted to find out if it sucked or if it was good. <laughs> and then they told their friends, hey, download it. It sucks. Well, obviously not if it sucked. So then why were they downloading it? To see if it was good. I just told you. So so, so how come before piracy, they were able to market it and make money? And then afterwards, people just said, oh, uh, I'm, I think it sucks. So I'll download it anyway. Ian, that makes literally well, no there, sense. There's no before and after there's piracy. No, there's no argument, example. What, what movie came out before piracy and after piracy? There is none. Well, let's just use let's use um, films instead of music because I think there's a kind of a, uh, a certain amount of capital required in order to make a film that makes it a little bit different from an album, right? Because you need more people to come together to make a movie, more money, right? Like, okay, so what's happening to films right now? Like, independent the independent film quote unquote business was much more vibrant when everybody was arguing that piracy was going to basically destroy the film business. So why is it that piracy is much less of an issue now? But technology solved the problem. Independent film businesses, technology didn't solve the problem. There are no more good independent films. The sub one million dollar oh, yeah, right. budget films. So like things have become homogenized and corporatized in an era when you would think that it's so cheap to make movies now. 
why why don't we have good more piracy. more good small films? It's not piracy. It's what? because multinational corporations are controlling basically the output of feature length films. Where is that? Where is that output? At China. No, 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 no China. No. How do you how do you watch the movie? Uh, on a streaming something something. And but, so, how does an independent uh, service distribute their movies? Okay, so basically, you'd have to sell it to one of those streaming services. And what if they say no? Then they they do. That's what happens now. And so then, where do you distribute your movie after you made it if the streaming platforms don't want it? China. No, nowhere. Your what website. Do you mean? Your website. Your website. Nobody goes to your website to watch. But they you know, they did before. They streaming go to Netflix and they watch ads. some garbage. The issue is Amazon, Netflix, Paramount make it so easy to watch every movie. But if you aren't on those platforms, and I've had I had this happen, I can't remember. It's what It's not was. that hard to get on those platforms, though. It's just a question of whether or not it's featured on the little browse button. Right, well, it's, it's but you when I search for, like there's there's like it's the same 50, thing on YouTube. There's like 50 dude. horror movies. You can on post Amazon. an amazing video to YouTube and nobody freaking sees it because the the algorithm doesn't put you in there. You there, there there are tons of people I know who have pitched to Amazon and said and gotten turned down. Uh-huh. And they all they, they produce the movies. Is this after the movie's produced or is this like prior so to So a, a lot of companies will produce a movie and then pitch it for distribution. Uh-huh. Some companies will go to Amazon for funding specifically. Yes. And I know people yes. who have pitched Amazon and got rejected. Yes. That's that's and I know definitely people the case. Who have then said we're gonna distribute it through our website and we're gonna do a promo campaign. Yeah. And then I know that people are like, I'll just download it for free. I just I don't I don't I don't necessarily agree. Or they what, just don't watch because it. Because you're featuring it on your website, then people are gonna pirate it? Yes. I don't know. I, okay. I here's so, what I think. I think that the streaming services are the gatekeepers yes. now, and whether or not you show up in the algorithm, and so you you basically have to be one of these ten massive production companies, and all the smaller ones are either getting swallowed up into that vertical integration, or they're not. You know, they're not getting on the algorithm. So those right. are the two options. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So so why is that people chose Amazon over what they used to do with with torrents and stuff like that? Because it's easier. So I, that's why I say I think for the most part it, it's it's been solved to a certain degree. Like piracy has been yeah. very solved to a certain degree. People still pirate. That's what it's, I'm saying is it's been solved and you're saying that piracy hurts the little guy. But what I'm saying is actually the ease of the streaming platforms and the fact that like nobody no, no, has no, no, to no. go and find their We started stuff the conversation by me saying the problem has mostly been solved by streaming services. Uh-huh. But back during the height of piracy, if someone made a movie and the budget was a hundred grand and then you started do- – you downloaded it for free – those people could not make another movie mm. because instead of selling it what they normally would have sold, made money, and then filmed a sequel, people downloaded it. I, I, was, I, was, I was at the premiere for What We Do in the Shadows. And you know what was really funny about What We Do in the Shadows? You guys see that movie? <laughs> it's um, uh, – what's the guy's name from uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. I was there at the premiere in New York City. And after it ended, they're doing questions, and I raised my hand, and I said, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I already saw the movie. Like, it's all over the internet for free. Does mm-hmm. that hurt your business? And dude, he got, J- Jermaine was like, yes, man. It was a huge problem. Yeah, but he doesn't him. know. That's the problem. Because those, none of those people that downloaded may have Ian, bought you're it. You're such an arrogant. No, but you're, so, all those you're, people, so, you're so mean. If all those to people, people see that, course, though, yeah. if all those people see that, like, don't you think that, you know, them ent- that entering the popular consciousness because so many people stole your movie, there's a certain currency associated with occupying people's time. And you know them watching your content. Like I, if if I put out a movie, I'd be I'd be like, oh, you're telling me a million people stole this and got it for free? Cool, that's a million people who saw my movie. That's awesome. and so are you making it as a hobby? How do you fund it? 
I mean, I think down the road you can figure something out. You just keep, I think, keep I, washing dishes I, until you. I think there's the, a. I think there's a really easy distinction here is that I've had a lot of friends who worked in the industry lose their jobs and have their lives upended because of what happened with piracy in the 2000s. You don't, and you don't care about them. No, the entertainment you industry is dead now. I was there. I, I used to work in it in the I 90s. See, but I'm just arguing it. I'm. I'm saying I'm not disagreeing that they lost their jobs. What I'm saying is. Like seven years in Tibet was 1997, and that was the first movie MGM made it, and you know China was the villain there. And then after that, it got banned in China, and they lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And ever since then, we've been homogenizing and corporatizing everything that goes yeah, yeah, yeah. into theaters. Right, right. right. And that like is my that bad. in my opinion, that homogenization has led to <clears throat> less independent productions. And but and that's, that's but that's that's like we're we're specifically the, the question was brought up based on an argument we had last week. Yeah, is where do we even theft? start? Is piracy <laughs> theft? If you, the answer is yes, it is. Well, no, I mean that's your answer, but but, it's, but it literally. But does that it's, theft it's actually result no, no, no. in the in? You it's know, a crime, you right? Like, jail for what it. if what if you painted a picture and someone took it and stole it and then pay, put it at the, in front of the White House, so a hundred million people saw it, and then everyone wanted to buy a copy of it, and you became super rich. Well, so okay. so have have you gone to New York? Yeah, I used to live there. Did you ever walk up to somebody who's doing paintings in the street? Mm-hmm. And what what do they, what do they have written down next to their paintings? It's a sign. Oh, I don't know. No photos. Right. You know why? So, because yeah, people they want take to sell a picture. People take a picture of it and then they don't make money and then they can't paint anymore. So, but, but uh, we got to well, move on. Uh, well, if you if you if, <laughs> if you get 100 million people that that Ian, copy you're your a movie. pirate. Ian, people aren't <laughs> You're going to be fine. People aren't famous. If you made a movie, the movie industry is not Marvel. It, the movie industry it, are small regional right. films that made, appear at, 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 at no, art theaters. No, the movie theaters. industry is Marvel now. Now it is. If it you is. made a 30-minute movie is, with your friends and then 100 million people pirated that doesn't it, happen. that is good for you. Hey, I have sure. an idea. Because you're going to so, be super so, and, famous. And if you buy a lottery ticket, you can win $100 million. But the people I know who are working on small productions for regional films and going to art theaters who lost their jobs. Yeah, people don't work. buy those, dude. Yes, people they did. People don't buy art films. Ian, you are... Who, you, who pays money to watch art films? Go to New York. <laughs> go to Houston. They have art theaters. It was a niche genre for years. Yeah, Dude, I agree. But that, that I had friends who had jobs. They had lives. I used to work in the industry. And man. you don't care about. Well, them. I mean, I'm, I acknowledge what's changed about the industry. I, I have sympathy that they lost a job. You know, I don't. All right. Ill on them or anything. Chris Rose, 1986. Jones says, didn't see that new art film. <laughs> in the hospital, when you were in labor, you, the mother, become second. The doctor will do everything to save the baby first. I have personally experienced this with my labor because my child was premature. Interesting. Hmm. Frosty, this is interesting. This, this super chat was actually from a while ago before I made this point. Using this logic on piracy, taking a photo of a painting is theft. In some capacities, Yes. The Native Americans said if you took their picture, you were stealing their soul. All right. Now that the argument has completely subsumed the... uh, uh, (laughs) I know. This should have been the theme of the show. (laughs) Can we get like an Ian as a pirate? Like Ian as a pirate? Ian's a pirate. Can we get like a shirt? We need to say like... Okay, okay, hold on. No, it's a shirt. Ian as a pirate. And he's saying, I'm going to steal your corn. I'm the captain now. Because <gasps> yes. Ian, Ian argued last week. I am the music composer now. <laughs> R- Richie, last week Ian argued that he can steal farmer's corn. <gasps> I did true. not argue. He did. Oh, I used to do that. I grew up across the street. <laughs> Richie. I did. Yeah. And I used Napster and I did. I stole the, oh the farm across gosh. the street. Nice. You're all I, over. I did the... stole it. But uh, are you uh, familiar with that the was, farmer? That was seven years. Yeah. It's, it was oh. more than seven years ago. It was like 20 <laughs> something years ago. So. All right. It's okay. Well, you admit Yannette it. Yannette Santana fine. says, Ian has no idea how the real world works. Send him to Cuba for one week with no Western Union. That was a very vague statement. 
BlackRock Beacon <laughs> You're says... You're 42 years old, for Christ's sake. BlackRock Beacon says, bros, making copies is not piracy. It's forgery. Ian, please read what I sent you on MindsChat. Not enough room in Super Chat to explain the rest. It's forgery if you're saying it's the original, if you're just copying it. Curtis Reynolds says, I'm guessing Ian steals content every day. That's why he's so adamant that piracy isn't theft. Of course it's theft. Every act of piracy steals income from the producer. Wow. Blood on Ian's Of course hand. it's theft. Jeez, you literally have the Ian? blood of oh, no. oh, unemployed all, all of musicians his, I, on I hand. ruin the music industry. Uh-huh. It's true. Ian himself yep. by himself. Will I am says, sorry, Ian, if I work on something with my brain and you use it without compensation, it is stealing whether it's good or not. Says who? Says Will I am. Says the U.S. government. Says the law that was written before today. (laughs) Let's change the law. All right. Let's see. What's up, Will? You know, there used to be campaigns telling people not to record the radio. Because you could put wow. a cassette tape on and press record, and they would be like, "That was my childhood." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a double tape. Yeah. Like, are you it, recording from the radio? That's wait till that. Kokomo from the Beach Boys came on and hit record right after it starts. Or like I missed the beginning of the song. The, the issue is everyone always says, "Well, who cares about the rich people?" And I'm like, "Bro, I don't. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the small businesses that were destroyed by this." I think it's when, definitely when, different when when you have a small business and 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 Disney. And the revenue drops because of piracy. The small business yeah, goes that's, that's below the line. It's be fair, some, that's because a, of that's piracy. A, I'm think, not assuming it. I there's have been friends. studies that say I used that to hang out in Columbia and Chicago. The, the, the sales of products. Okay, so, I think that's so, the best way you frame the argument thus far, which is that you know basically, like for example, with the shoplifting stuff, like these massive corporations can deal with that. They but can absorb. If you're it. a small business, you can't absorb it. I I get that. Yep. So if if you take away twenty percent of the margin from a, from small production uh, uh, companies and their margin is eighteen percent, they're out of business. But you take away twenty percent from Disney and they're like, oh no, I guess we'll only make a billion dollars this time. I just think it's more the kind of um, the corporatization of art, music, films. Just over the course of American history, it's become more and more corporate, regardless of the cost per minute of video, and so like. The same group thing that we see in the news is happening in Hollywood and like, you know, but there are the Tim pools and, you know, I think there are new independent filmmakers out there who I think there'll be a new Hollywood, a new Here's, American here, Hollywood. Here, I got to read this one. great. Arias Raffel Cal says, tell us the name of your friend's movie or it's fake. So I'm 35 years old when I was 18 and used to hang out at Columbia in Chicago with like. A, a, network, a network of 30 or so people who are doing various music and film industry stuff. And then when I was 20, I had friends be like, I lost my job. And like a bunch of them lost their jobs. Like, yeah, I don't know the names of all the movies they were working on or the, or the albums they were producing. That happened. Anyway, thanks for hanging out. We're gonna have a bonus segment though. So if you want to hear more rage and maybe I'll flip the table over, mm-hmm. yes. you know, you know, what we'll do the new studio is a few weeks away from being done. We'll just film ourselves office spacing the whole studio and just, no, I won't do that. No. We're going to still use the studio. Uh, go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a bonus segment coming up. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. You can follow us. You know what? I don't even got to tell you to follow us because we have a new, we have new graphics. So I'm not even, I'm, you just follow, follow us at TimCast IRL. Follow me at TimCast and, uh, go to TimCast.com. Richie, you have stuff. Um, okay. At Richie McGinnis, R-I-C-H-I-E-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S-S. And also, Last time I came on here, I did a plug for an intern job on the video squad, and I told everyone to email Richie at DailyCaller.com. But this time, we need a media reporter, and you're going to email Jeff at DailyCaller.com. <laughs> if, and because we got some great applicants last time, and shout out to Juan, who's on the vid squad now. If you like to clip crazy moments in cable news, you like memes, and you like drinking beer, 
Jeff. G E O F F at dailycaller.com. Joff. Joff. <laughs> That's fine. And he would definitely not be happy if you called him Joff. <laughs> and he's a big Marine. I had, I had a friend <laughs> named Jeff. Was by the I way, it was Joff. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> Joff. Uh, hey, I'm, yeah, you follow me, Ian Crossland. Party on. Nice. And the guys, pirate. Yes, the pirate. <laughs> follow the pirate. You guys may follow me as well, we'll on make Twitter the Ian at Pirate Patch Lids. No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. I had a little bit more. I was going to say, you guys have to help me get more followers and Sour Patch Kids because that's my goal in life, and it would mean a lot to me. We got to make the Ian Pirate shirt. I used to <laughs> yes, work. We that's going to be him. This is the, my favorite stealing, Ian Tim fight of all time. Stealing oh, corn. Yeah. I used to work at a, a grocery store, and I would write the announcements and then record them for the store, and I created the Acme Pirate. <laughs> you talk like that. Somebody's a sale in aisle two. Get that. Somebody it's super- like the the liquid gold. <laughs> yeah. <and they're, laughs> all right, we'll wrap it up there. Curious, <laughs> Go to timcast.com. We'll see you all over there. Smash that like button. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.